So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Get down. Oh, sorry, I got yeah. That was a that was a weird noise came out then. It was like a like a science fiction type old style Doctor Who type noise. Yeah, I was thinking of like. I don't know what I was thinking of, but it's uh, the countdown. I think it's because when you film yourself, you know, when you go Facebook Live, mm. it does that. And I just, uh, sorry, I panicked. And I forgot <laughs> to say hello. Have you ever, have you ever done a Facebook Live? This happened to me the other day. We do a Facebook Live, and then in the middle of you talking in the Facebook Live, which is quite, it's quite a big deal anyway. Doing a Facebook Live, it sort of says something like reconnecting, and you're like, oh my god, am I? Do, do I? Do I carry on talking? Do yeah. I do I stop? Yeah. Do I have to and you and you're just petrified that there's everyone's just, watching I, you live going. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just like some of the webinars I've done, um, they it locks your screen as like only your screen. So you can't even see the chat or if anyone's there. And I'm like, I'm just talking, hoping that someone's lit. I could be talking to nothing right now. Um and uh, you know, which is how I operate my life most of the time anyway, <laughs> talking into a void. Um, but um, one where I, I got, I was very lucky to be invited to the trauma conference that um, Danny put on. And I, I got carried away at the end of that. And I pressed end and I ended the whole conference. Oh. By accident. <laughs> well, I've now dropped the mic. Bye. <laughs> And then I, I had to message her on Facebook. I was like, I think I just ended the whole conference. She's like, yes, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Oops. Sorry. Those, 
those eagle-eared bookshelvers might have noticed that back by popular demand. No. We uh, we have well, Corin. We've got lots of emails from, from Corin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they've, they've let me on a book review podcast. They've let me on. Yeah. She's allowed. Yeah. She's, she's the only making one. the tea. She's um, making the tea. She's not allowed to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually make him a coffee. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I've been on one before. Maybe I don't know if you've done a book review but, one before. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think you've been on off the shelf. We'll have yeah. to look. This yeah. is uh, as well coming completely clean here. And actually, why we have Corin here is this is the only the second ever book review show where I haven't read the book. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, I'm the one who's read this book. So I'm flying. We're moving the fourth wall there. Yeah. I'm flying by the seat of real life. Yeah, we'll look after you. (laughs) So what what's been going on then? What's been happening? Um, we we had to sort through twelve years of paperwork. Yeah, uh, over the (laughs) week. It's been really really exciting. The most exciting story we could come up with. Or the your toast thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's tell this story. story. Okay, yeah. Corin had a. Do you know? Sometimes you think you're in the matrix, and sometimes things slip, and you're like, hang on a minute. Is this actually a simulation that we're living in? All well, the time. The other day, I was, I was kind of sat there. I can't remember what I was thinking. I was you were sat, pondering. I was pondering. I ponder a lot, life. And I was wondering where... Did you have your, the, legs, did you have your legs crossed? I've got my legs crossed now. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, I, and I had my hand on my beard. And I was thinking about... I'm getting quite fascinated in the... Um, what's the word? Etymology of, of like phrases and, and, and where they come from. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about the the phrase "you're toast," like you're done for, you're dead, or whatever. I don't know. It's yeah. after watching The Apprentice. Oh yes, it was after watching The Apprentice. You're right. Oh, did someone say you're toast? I yeah. think so. And um, right. I I turned around to Corin and I was like, "Well, where do you reckon you know the phrase your toast' comes from?" And I and I thought sort of logically, you'd think right at the end the end of your bread when your bread's been sat in your cupboard for a bit of time. And you know it starts to go a bit dry just just before the mold sets in. You might cut the mold off, I guess. But but the only thing that it would be good for at that point was maybe sticking in a toaster and making some toast out of it. So it kind of okay. I, I thought that maybe I, I don't know. I haven't looked this up by the way. And um, so I'm saying to Corin, I'm going. Do, do you think that's possible? Do you think that it's the end of the bread, and then you know it just signifies that that's the last thing that that bread's going to do? Therefore, your toast. And Corin just looked at me. <laughs> with, a, with a blank look and she made this noise like Eeeh. and then Thinking. she just said the word steam <laughs> was... I think what happened was that I actually thought you came up with quite a good explanation but I thought I should come up with maybe another one just <laughs> in case we haven't thought of other ones so my brain was trying really hard to think of something and then I just like steam uh, because like you know when toast has steam just, just, just as bad that to, is just as bad yeah what just are you there. trying to start uh your steam as a as a put down your, is that what you're doing I'm, yeah but i'm gonna bring that in your steam mate. i like your i like you thinking about your toast being bread related yeah i i would go earlier in civilization oh. pre-bread what like uh, like literally like a to- like a toast like no like you fell in a volcano you burnt you're charred yeah but you're without 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 toast. toast you wouldn't have the word toast yeah but why do you why do we call to- to- bread 
toasted bread toast. Because it's toasted. That word must have existed already. No. Uh, well, what... um, it could be derived from the Latin tostadus. I think the real question here is what came first, the marshmallow or bread? And, <laughs> and then we will know where the etymology of your toast Or steam. I think Corinne's going to win this. I think steam was invented first. Maybe it's the most intelligent thing that ever came out of your I love yeah, it doesn't you're, feel, you know, when it doesn't feel like doing it. it. <laughs> I love the fact that you you instantly thought you needed to come up with a counter because that is basically that's we're not we're not ever having uh, any sort of dialogue unless it's an argument. So, <laughs> so, it's, it's, we, we, I don't think it's arguing; it's debating. Yeah. Like we always like he went, to take the other he went side. straight to like how can I one upman him? <laughs> and how can <laughs> I pull his theory apart and it leave wasn't. him in the mud? <laughs> <laughs> well it didn't work for a start and uh i actually i think it's good to put a few things on the table and then go certainly is good mm. to put a few things on how the many table. how not... many listeners now are googling derivation of toast as well derivation um, that's a good word as well isn't it? Mm, nice word etymology so that's not quite right is it that's like the where it comes from the root of maybe it's right i don't know i don't know i all i know is entomology which is the study of insects, which is very different. Very different. Very di- I wonder what the etymology of entomology is. <laughs> well, that would probably be Latin. I have got, I was looking on my shelf because I've got this lovely book that um, uh, I was bought for my birthday. And it's, um, it's like all of the derivation of the taxonomic groups of plants. Oh my God, I sound like such a geek. No, um, but it's like, you know, the, you know, the Latin names on, on plants and, and why they're called that. And it's really, it's quite funny because they're like, you know, it actually means blue umbrella thing or something <laughs> like that in, in Latin. I will dig it out and we will look up if there's toast in there for some reason. I know that book. And if you flick to page 44 and you look at the derivation of the rhododendron, it's just, <laughs> it's just got dot, 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 steam. <laughs> you love a rhododendron. I do love a rhododendron. I love the word because mm. it just rolls off. All the, the magnolia. Who was out. it? Was it Brian Blessed that does a rhododendron? Right, he does everything like that, doesn't he? Brian Blessed, oh, I love, I love him. him. Well, I'm giving myself a sore throat being <laughs> Brian Blessed now. One of the funniest stories <laughs> I ever heard was told by Brian Blessed about how he was on Everest in a snowstorm and one of his friends went out for a poo. Honestly, <laughs> it's, I'm not going to, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's on the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast and it's the first time Brian I think Brian might have been on it twice but it's the first time go if you if you like podcasts look that up the Richard Herring Leicester Square Theatre podcast and look for the Brian Blessed episode it's just hilarious I won't give any spoilers away but don't don't google Brian Blessed Richard Herring poo <laughs> 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 so anything uh, interesting happened in your life then uh natalie sister behaviorista um uh, sticking with poo oh uh drop my car keys down the toilet wow is <laughs> yeah. that is that is that just the phrase you say for going for a poo you know what people do like <laughs> just gotta drop my car keys down the toilet mate uh, <laughs> see you in a minute <laughs> oh dear um no i haven't adopted that euphemism but i will from now on um yeah i i i they were in my hoodie pocket i was taking my hoodie off not to go to the toilet god this is far too much information why am i i was getting changed basically and and my hoodie was halfway over my head and i heard a plop wow 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that. I've decided uh, as much as I am an environmentalist and I, you know, waste not, want not, I've decided to throw that packed lanyard away that um oh it also went into was it. attached to the car key uh, i hope you agree with me there i did start rinsing it under the tap and i thought you know what some things should just go in the bin actually <laughs> yeah. and things that have been down the toilet should probably go in the bin they probably um should. and then i was rinsing my car key under the sink and i'm thinking i should this has got a battery in i probably shouldn't be rinsing it under the sink <laughs> um so that was that um <laughs> We, we've had an, we've had an exciting you're, week. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I won't ever hear the end of it if I don't tell you Jay's best joke ever. Oh, go on then. Looking forward to this. Okay, so I uh, listeners, I have not told the Goodalls this off air so that we can get their natural reaction to what Jay probably has record this bit. <laughs> <laughs> probably record this bit. Yeah. Get get the uh, create a jingle around how hilarious. This is going recording to be. in progress. Oh, right. So, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> so, basically, as you know, Gru is very worried about buzzy things because um, a few years ago we were gardening and we accidentally hit a wasp's nest. And um, we only had Jack and Gru at the time. And me and Jay and Jack all ran back to the house going, oh my God, there's wasps everywhere and they're really angry. Uh, Gru stood there going, where are you guys going? And so he got he got stung a lot and he got lots of wasps stuck in his hair, which I had to then brush out. Therein is the start of um, Gru's trauma of being groomed and anything that buzzes. So um, it's a work in progress. We're obviously trying to help him through it. But um, on, uh, well, sometime last week, I can't remember what day, um, he went out for a wee uh normally as as he does and he stands on the patio and he surveys his land and a bumblebee a bit of a dozy bumblebee because they're a bit like they don't really know what they're doing at the moment Mm -hmm. do they a a very dozy huge bumblebee queen who's looking for somewhere to you know lay her head and lay her eggs um landed on his head Oh. oh yeah so he shook his head and the bee Probably fell to the floor, like, oh, dazed. Oh, didn't have any energy anyway. Um, and he ran inside. I ran to the aid of the bee um, and gave her some sugary water and put her somewhere safe. Um, and Gru then ran up onto our bed where he remained for 48 hours straight. Oh. Um, and so we were talking about it. And Jay said... Poor Gruy, he's got PTSB. <laughs> that is pretty good. That is pretty I mean, good. yeah. I, I'm, I'm just <laughs> picturing Jay's smiling face. You know what Jay looked like? His little, like, like yeah. waiting. Like red wine, Jay. For, yeah, red Cheeky wine, Jay. Jay. Which he's definitely yeah. doing right now whilst listening to this as well. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll know when he's listening. He's probably fallen off his it. bike. <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah probably and I mean I to be fair I was very proud of him I may have said something like that's the best thing you've ever said ETSB <laughs> because good, you know he he won't mind me sharing this he shared it before but he is dyslexic so a word joke I'm like <laughs> man well done <laughs> not in a patronizing way but 
you know, that's my level. Thank you for that joke. <laughs> Thank there's, you. There's probably a dog training organisation with PTSB. Is there an acronym, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> well, if there is, uh, Gru will be in touch. <laughs> Um, that is good. I do like that. What do you that. think? Commend- I'm commending. That's a, that's a good, that's a solid nine. I'm going with a nine. Do you reckon? Yeah. I reckon that's a solid Ooh, nine. Oh, I didn't know we were going to grade the joke. This feels like pressure. I'm going to, eight, Jay, eight. I think it was eight. Oh, okay. Maybe- it's, it is, it's no tortoise joke, um, but I can't do that one because <laughs> You always that, that... get it muddled up and do it wrong and spoil it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but that's a visual joke, so I can't do it. I can't do it on the podcast, but there's a, there's a wonderful, wonderful joke. We're recording joke. right now. We can share um, it. <laughs> It's a wonderful joke. Now, I'm not going to do it on a podcast. It might make sense on the audio one, will it? Um, or maybe I'll record it and stick also, it on Also, you're doing exactly what Corin did to you, which is, okay, I see your PTSB, and I'm trying to trump you. Yeah. Talk to us. Yeah, yeah course he is. there is that one. There is that one. Yeah, sorry. So, sorry. Well, I think that's a two-way process, though, Steve. Just, you know, just pick it, picking you up like I'm your therapist here. Anyway, move, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Um... Yes, um, Corin is here for a book review show. Hooray. And uh, we, we're going to be talking about... Um, oh, before we get into the book, actually, I just wanted to say, just very, very quick, um, our packed lunches thing is going absolutely wonderfully. We're getting some lovely feedback from people. Um, basically, what the packed lunches is, is um, one of our packed team writes something and we send it out into the ether on a Tuesday at lunchtime. Hence, packed lunches. See what we did there. Um <laughs> A uh, little blog, little, you know, thing about dogs, advice for life. Advice for life. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, whatever. Our musings, our brain farts, our stuff. Um, all Wondering. F- all free content. All you got to do if you want to get access to that is go onto our pack website, which is pack-dogs.com. And then you'll see a little, do you want a pack lunch box? And stick your details in there and then we can send you other stuff that's coming up. Um, but this week, the reason I want to talk about it really quickly this week, um, you have to get in there quick to get this one, actually, because this we're going out on a Tuesday. Uh, I wrote a story about two um, two doggos that I met when I was on holiday, uh, Bella and Belos. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a real uh, it was a really, really big moment in my year last year. And I managed to sort of get it all down, write it all down, get my thoughts out about it. I've even sent it to, um, so Jessica Pierce has had a oh, look at it. Oh, is that the story you were talking to? I, yeah. I wondered what, what one it might be. Jessica Pierce has done a bit of editing on it as well. So now it, now it. Um, oh, get you, yeah. proper author. I also sent it to Patricia McConnell. She really liked it as well. Um, but yeah, so if you want to, if you want to read that, sign up to those <laughs> things. Um, uh, yes. So uh, do you want to tell everyone, do you want to tell the bookshelvers about what book we're going to be looking at today, Corin? So it's a book by Tamsin Durston and it's Emotional Wellbeing for Animal Welfare Professionals. Woo! Tamsin, Tamsin <clears throat> being another returning guest. We, we are actually, we're, we're, com- we're coming for a, uh, a series of returning guests at the moment. Uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Tamsin was on uh, an off the shelf before, um, but now wonderful Tamsin has written a book. Oh, There's always more to talk about, anyway, isn't there? It, you know, indeed. and it's a double whammy because uh, Tamsin has already been announced, right? Yes, as a speaker at Dog X this year. Yes, hooray! I don't. He's got it... lots of hats on today. Yeah. Lots and <clears> lots <throat> of hats. So yeah, Dog X. Obviously, um, we have. Uh, been announcing speakers on the run-up so hopefully everyone's really really excited for that um but yeah we're going to talk a little bit about that as well hopefully today okay 
So without further ado, shall we? Let's go. Why read it? Why read it? Why read it? Why read it, Corin? Oh, honestly, I just think it's one of the best books, most important books I've read. Ooh, it's, your new, it's your new Bible now, isn't it? Full stop. <laughs> high praise indeed. And you, and you, um, obviously, you put a lot of weight into well-being, which we all do. But um, you know, you know firsthand how how important it is. I'm a big champion of it, and I talk to people all the time. Um, and things that come up, we're all we're all facing, regardless of what sector of this industry we're we're in. Um. People can resonate and um, be compassionate with each other. I, yeah, and this book just helps helps you navigate some of that really difficult stuff. It really sounds like it's got some wonderful practical advice for almost any 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 person in any industry. To be quite honest, it sounds oh, yeah. like it, you know, yeah, yeah, some some. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the uh, the animal welfare professionals comes into it with the kind of case studies and the stories and you know they're relevant you can um uh maybe imagine yourself in those situations too uh but really i just think i think it'd be useful for anyone yeah yeah and if you if you care about your emotional well-being or you think you should do a bit better read this and you will yeah yeah Taking care of yourself is so, so important. If you've got a stack of books on your shelf that have been recommended by Nat and Steve, <laughs> then, <laughs> then this one needs to be added to it. It's, it's for me, And it's probably skip, skip to the top because yeah. what it will do is it will make you realise, yeah, actually, I, I have not read the rest of the books because I'm not putting enough time in for my own self-care and I would really enjoy reading those books, but... Instead, I've done something else that um, I have felt uh, was more important at the time or whatever. So that's yeah, hundred percent. That's a really nice point, actually, isn't it? Because we we are so passionate about um, the the dog centric sort of side of things. Um, we we sometimes fall short on the human centric side of things and not only just the human centric side of things, because, because not only do we need to know about dogs and, and, and what it's like to be a dog and, and how we can help dogs live in our human world. We also have to know, and you don't realize this when you get into the business, you have to know quite a bit about humans and how to communicate with humans. So there's mm-hmm. two massive skill sets there that you can spend the rest of your life learning and never get to the end of. And that's a beautiful thing about it. But then on top of that, without learning how to take care of yourself and listen to yourself and and understand when things are getting too much or things that you can do in order to help regulate and and never get to the point where things have got too much, without that, none of that stuff is gonna work. None of the, you're not gonna do you're not you're not gonna learn about the dogs as well as you could. You're not gonna learn about the people as well as you could. You're not gonna be best placed to help people if you're not in a good place yourself um yeah so this should almost be starting block i mean they, this should be school why why are we learning long division in schools why are we not i mean I, I, <laughs> spoilers it's been a while since i've been at school um number one so what? i don't, I don't know schools then were there schools back then there were yeah we had we had ab- abacuses and uh it was beautiful it was a beautiful time um yeah and maybe it's all changed, but why, you know, I, I hope that, you know, this stuff is, is 
and brought to the attention of people um, early on. So you're not finding about it when, you know, you're in your mid forties. Um, because, you know, so many ingrained, you're ingrained. You talk about these stories that we tell ourselves, they're ingrained by that point. And it's really difficult to turn It takes that a lot around. of unpacking, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and again, why read it? There's some insanely practical and actually simple things because none of it's difficult. A lot of this stuff is simple. Five minutes a day, uh, take mm. out your day, prioritize, you know, prioritize yourself, um, uh, learn learn how to say no a bit more and, and why having boundaries is good uh, talking about things like mantras visualizations um always being the learner all of these things are easy it but if we put them into practice then eventually they become ingrained eventually they become habits um yeah i i think it's it sounds like a wonderful book i should read it <laughs> yeah you probably should yeah <laughs> i'll let you read it <laughs> All right. This is only the second book I haven't read that we've done a book review of in Venice. I'm, hey, done, we're not, I'm doing all we're right. not judging. And, I'm, you know, better that than nicking it out of Corin's hands. It reminds so, me of um, Charlton Heston for the National Rifle Association. It's a horrible organization, by the way. But wasn't it? Wouldn't he say, there you go. out of my cold, cold dead hands? hands. You'll get yeah. my rifle. That's, that's how I'm going to have to prize it out of Corin's hand. <laughs> It sounded like a veiled threat, didn't it? Not even that veiled, yeah, to be honest. But <laughs> it was just a threat, really. Um... So, if you are interested in becoming a dog trainer, are a dog trainer, work in animal welfare, any of this, or even just interested in well-being and how you can help yourself, this is a wonderful book written by a wonderful person. Go and buy it. If you're human, read it. That's it, basically, isn't it? <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh, I I fear I see someone over the brow of the hill drawing back a bow and ready to fire. Ow! Shall we uh, move on to our next section? Why not? No, oh, you pricked my eye! Good Lord, Nat, you've taken one right to the eyeball. Oh, no. <laughs> lucky, lucky I had my anti-arrow goggles on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one day, one day I'll get you right in the cornea. Do you oh, know don't. Do you know I had? Is that another threat? I heard yeah. something. No, <laughs> I heard something the other day really interesting about the eyes. The eye is, I don't know how true this is. We're ready for some Steve science. Okay, um, <laughs> here we go. Science fiction with Stephen Goodall. The eye is actually a part of the brain, but it's the only part of the brain that's outside the body. What do you think about that, Corinne? Oh, I have no idea if that's true or not, so I have no... <laughs> well, just, let's just pretend it's true for a minute. I mean, I've never heard it before, and I feel like I would have heard that before, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. I don't know. I mean, it's attached to the brain via the optical nerve. I mean... Right, I'm Googling it now. Really? Right. Talk, talk it, amongst yourselves. To be honest, everything's part of your brain, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know. Sa sandwiches aren't part of the brain. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh... <laughs> Hang on a minute. It's always a good sign if you start Googling. So I've put, is the eye? And the first thing that's come up is part of the brain. So let's have a look. Right. Ah, here we go. This is according to Dr. Google. Okay. Um, I like him. I've got everything up according to Dr. Google, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the eye is an extension of the brain and contains nerve tissue in the light sensitive layer, the retina compared, uh, uh, sorry, in the light sensitive layer, the retina. 
Compared to the brain, the retina of the eye offers a distinct advantage of being accessible to high-resolution imaging using advanced light and optical technology. I think that just proves me right. No, it says an extension. It didn't say a part of. Yeah, I think I'm right in that it's connected via the optic nerve. But, you know, you're not. Okay, here we go. If it was truly part of the brain, you would have some form of learning deficit or damage to your brain if your eye was injured and that doesn't happen you just go blind drop mic yeah okay i I take it back take the steve stuff back there and also surely it'd be wrinkly like a walnut wouldn't it (laughs) honestly like a couple of walnuts what a tangent (laughs) anyway the good news is horrible image in my head now (laughs) little insight into my life there everybody yeah yeah okay (laughs) anyway um this bit will be cut out so (laughs) (laughs) well luckily enough um nat was wearing her goggles so right pricked my eye this is part of the podcast where we talk about a part of the book that made us go hmm or ooh, or Mm -hmm. another sound that is (laughs) surprise based um well i i now want to do a hang on i'll do this ready that's my crinkly walnut eye i didn't hear didn't anything actually hear it <laughs> oh it's because i've got my hang on no that's uh, that nice? that's an invisible sound <laughs> let me see if i can do a crinkly sound just to make it no it's not working here we go i'm, I'm adding my own one all right that's Gosh. me blinking my crinkle blinking my crinkle <laughs> Yeah. Okay, anyway, I'm going to go with it. That sounds so, like a uh, David Copperfield character, <laughs> Blinking McCrinkle or something. He's a malnourished young lad. <laughs> <laughs> with rickets. <laughs> Blinking McCrinkle. <laughs> oh, God, I just laughed my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right, Blinking McCrinkle. I've got two things, one per eye. Okay. Um, so the first one was uh, in the section, which is risk factors and influences upon emotional health. So it's kind of like setting the scene, really, why, why all these practical bits are important. And she's got she's written a whole section on guilt. Mm. I think I, I, personally, I just resonated with that because it's something that I really don't want my clients to feel. But but if I was to put a label on the emotions that I feel most of the time about my dogs and the non-human animals in my care, it's guilt. Yeah. Even if I, I know I give them a great life, but I feel guilty that I'm not giving them that great life every second of every day. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that there was a nice bit there, um, and the the kind of uh, convex of that is then in the end bit. So there's like start and the end, which is in the practical toolkit, everyday activities, and there's a whole section on self forgiveness. Right. Um, so yeah, remember we are human beings first and foremost. Before our job roles and requirements, we might make mistakes. That's perfectly natural. But these are things which happen and we can still choose how we allow ourselves to feel about them longer term. We're always able to learn from the things that happen to help inform our future choices. We just need to be consciously aware of doing so. Brilliant. Yeah, I I, I relate to the guilt thing. I think anyone that's 
Uh, anyone that's yeah, anyone that's passionate about animals, um, yeah, they can all relate to that. That sort of like you know, oh, have I given them enough today? Of the you know, are, yeah, are, are you happy? You know, are they you know, In, all the yeah, big... that kind of yeah. And I guess, do you love me? Yeah, <laughs> I get. I guess it. I mean, it just speaks to how much you care, doesn't it? That's the thing. You can't have one yeah. without the other, can you? Particularly because you're not going to feel guilty if you don't give a shit. We have well, this yeah. conversation on the sofa quite often. You'll be we like, do. you, you yeah. feel the guilt, and I try. I try my best to like sort of rationalise that, but it, I don't know if it's always helpful to you. But mm. yeah, I try not to let. I'm I'm aware of it, and I I know the feeling, but I try not to let it. No, you're very good at that. You're very good at that. Oh, uh, well, that's not what I was intending to get out of you there, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was my uh, blinking a crinkle. Uh, so <laughs> mine was, so at the start of each chapter, there's a quote, and um, I've picked one of my favourites. Uh, so our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Mm. And that's Oliver Goldsmith. Oliver Goldsmith. Oh. I love a good quote. I love a good yeah. You know, like you used to get those little books, didn't you, every Christmas, like book of quotes or inspirational yeah. things that you can you can pick up and learn. I love a good quote. Yeah. Wonderful. Or the it reminds me of the little book of calm that Manny swallows by accident in black books. <laughs> and comes zen like and he's just saying all these little things like like that, yeah. really. I me me um me and my sister have have that book and we we pass it over to each other if we ever think the other one needs it. I remember I was allowed into that little gang you once were, when I were. needed it and it was very good, <laughs> mainly because it made me laugh about Bill Bailey swallowing. <laughs> don't don't swallow the little book of calm. It's not not advisable. <laughs> There's some wonderful. You talk about quotes. Slight tangent, but I love I love um hearing about what people decide to put on their like gravestone or or you know that sort of thing and was it spike milligan who's on his gravestone says i told you i was ill told you i was ill yeah (laughs) yeah i heard a good one the other day um on radio one going back to greg james actually so i'm stealing his thing now yeah yeah Uh, and they were talking about ways to end a conversation because someone had they found it hilarious that one of their friends had gone um anyway i've got to go now because I want to and hung up and that that's fine. You know, that's a perfectly truthful and legitimate way. So they were talking about ways of getting people off a phone. And this guy phoned in and he said that um, his gran always used to say, Oh, oops, the bo- the potatoes are boiling over and then hang up. <laughs> and, and they scattered where they scattered her ashes. They did a little plaque, which said, um, she had to go. The potatoes were boiling over. Oh, oh that's, that's amazing. Sweet. That's really I mean, sweet. <laughs> I, God and knows it's... what catchphrase will be on mine. I mean, it's going to be something stupid and not as insightful and cute and lovely as that. I can't remember who who said this, but someone on their grace owner's got, who on earth is the world going to revolve around now? <laughs> <laughs> I really oh, like that. Oh, God, I like that. I, really I like that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I've of, I've often thought that some something that someone might read and think is profound, but then when they walk away, go, "Hang on a minute." And I've always liked <laughs> the idea of uh, Steve Goodall. Here lies Steve Goodall. For him, every moment was a second. <laughs> Quite like that. 
trying to be philosophical but actually just talking complete nonsense yeah. That, yeah. actually that's perfect for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean you brought up the eye like i'm being, being gang, ganged up upon it's a pincer maneuvement maneuvement oh. maneuvement i don't know i made a new word up you're just you're just making this argument here, here <laughs> lies Pepper. Steve Goodall. He was a great manoeuvre minister. I do like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. We like dogs and I like dogs and you like dogs and yeah. We like dogs and I like dogs and I like dogs and yeah. Anyway, um, I, I, if I had to pick a prick my eye thing about this book, um, and I intend to, um bring this up in the interview with Tamsin is I, I like the, it's not a, it's not a be all and end all for everything, but I do like the sort of the stoicism, stoicism movement. Um, and I know that there's a little bit of that in this book. Um, uh, so yeah, I like that. Um, uh, a lot, but as I said, I haven't read it. Um, I will, I will get my hands on it at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah. Wonderful stuff. Good, good, good. Excellent. Right. Okay. Shall we move on gang? Indeed. Let's go. Okay, so shall we have some Tamsin facts? Tamsin facts. Here we go. <clears throat> Tam is a registered veterinary nurse, clinical animal behaviorist, and accredited dog training instructor with 27 years of experience working predominantly for Blue Cross and Dogs Trust. She's also undertaking an MSc in human behaviour change in order to underpin animal welfare activity with evidence behavioural science. Is currently studying for an, for an MSc in human animal interaction and well-being. I mean, she's qualified, isn't she? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, employed full time as the Dog Trust Veterinary Intervention Development Manager. Whew, that's a long title. Uh, Tam leads a team working to embed canine behavioural principles within veterinary practice. This commitment includes steering the dog-friendly clinic initiative to optimise veterinary care provision for dog owner, dogs, owners and veterinary teams alike. As well as providing emotional support for animals, Tam is keen to optimise human workplace mental and emotional health and has researched and authored a book, Emotional Wellbeing for the Animal Welfare Professional, which is what we're going to talk to her about. And I just want to read you one bit. So there's... um uh section at the start before she gets into the the nitty-gritty of the book and this gives i think uh this uh gives a great great introduction to tamsin's work and why we love her so much at pact mm. so um she says um <clears throat> the concept introduced within this book may all be studied in much greater detail and therefore also hope to inspire further reading and learning about these fascinating topics which help make sense of life and may ripple throughout all our interactions I think of everyone endeavouring to improve human and animal lives as one big team with a shared core and belief that if we can consciously open our minds and hearts, we can learn from every encounter we have with another person or animal. That's lovely. Word. Word. in facts done. Well then. Um, oh, and as if there isn't any, there's no, there's no other reason to love Tamsin more than all of those reasons that we've just let out, but... She is also a mahoosive Bob Dylan fan. Um, yeah, she's of- really cool as well. And she's one of the few people that can pull off funky dungarees. Funky dungarees. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like funky dungarees. Yeah, yeah, well, you, you are right. Your wife, I, I put your wife in that club as well. Yeah, Corinne, Corinne, she can pull off 
funky colors sometimes sometimes corin comes into the room she's like do i look mental and i'm like you look fantastic yeah but yes yeah, Mental, mental. mentally fantastic <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i hear tamsin knocking on the door shall we go answer yeah. Yes. <laughs> a bit of a delay there, wasn't there? But yeah, definitely. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> yeah, go on then. I've got nothing else on. <laughs> well, that's why we're here, isn't it? It would be, it'd be, it'd be weird if we all went no, wouldn't it? Go get yeah, her. Yeah. Let's Busy. go get her. It's Tama time. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say it's Tama time? <laughs> What's it's Tama time? Yeah, you that? can say what say. you like. <laughs> I Stop Tama time. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And how amazing is your book? Oh my um, God. I've I've got a bit of a. Got it here. Look, it's here on my desk. Three versions. It's been readed. I have readed it. I've got it on order as well for Thank Tash, you. who uh, works for Pact as well. So yeah, and um, I, I I messaged you when I was on page seven <laughs> just to rave about it. I was like, I already know I'm not going to shut up about this book. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you so much. Like it, that really means a lot because you know when you. Like, even if you're writing an article, or like you guys have just shared some lovely sort of posts about your journeys into dog training through PACT. And when you put anything out, like you you put your heart and soul into it, like you'll know that from your posts and everything that PACT does. And mm -hmm. you, you just want people to respond to it, take something away from it that's, you just want it to be useful. Like, it's not mm -hmm. about you, it's about the feeling it gives other people. And just to have that feedback from you, like, it's like, oh my amazing so thank you thank you so much I, I got a quick confession to make i have i personally haven't actually read it yet because i couldn't get a look in because corin, <laughs> corin old hog hogger corin stole it so um so i'm flying by the seat of my pants tonight um in the interview but uh corin has been waxing lyrical about i it. really have since since i messaged you every opportunity when i could bring it up i just bring it up <laughs> I, i'm already thinking about when we do field work with our students and catch-ups now and i can just hear corin's going well actually if you turn to page four to seven of tamsin durston's book emotional well-being for professionals who's that talking <laughs> that's me on the telephone <laughs> that is you on the telephone yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and me when I'm trying to act like a grown-up. <laughs> but um, I, I think um, it, it's it's definitely going to the top of the suggested reading list, don't oh, yeah. you think, Rob? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been saying that... So last night we did we do wellbeing sessions uh, once a month for our PACT members, and within that I got an opportunity to bring up your book. <laughs> I think even if people are just entering the world of uh, being a dog mm -hmm. professional uh, animal welfare um then they should get it 
because there's so much like proactive stuff in there as well so it's not just but even if you if you are struggling there's it's you could resonate with this book and you can get tips and there's practical stuff I know we're going to talk a lot we're going to dive into that but yeah, yeah. she's going straight in Soz. she's in Soz. I won't be invited love, again love the passion <laughs> So, so was this something that you always wanted to do, Tamsin? Write a book, um, or was it some? Did someone suggest you do it, or has it has this been coming together for a long time? Talk about how no, how this all came around. It, it, yeah, it came about because um, the the publishing editor from Cabby C A B I, who published um, the book, had seen a webinar that I'd done. Um, for the Association of Pet Behaviour Counsellors on sort of well-being for animal welfare professionals um, and asked me if I would consider writing that up into a bigger piece um, that they could publish. And, I, I, like, I hadn't considered doing anything like that before. It wasn't like, oh, God, I'm, you know. Although I did English Lit at uni, like, first time I went to uni. Um, so I do, like, this is not like a book of fiction. It's not a story. No. <laughs> but I love, I love stories theatre, poetry, plays, like geeky English stuff. Um, and, but it, yeah, it wasn't anything I'd ever thought of, but I, I did the original webinar because just with all my experience of veterinary nursing, dog training, animal behaviour counselling, and, and also rehoming work as well, because the hospital that I sort of managed the nursing team for, we had a cat rehoming unit, which we managed as well. Um, and and all the sort of emotional challenges that come in all of those areas of work, learning how to navigate that, how to care for my team and myself, whilst we were just faced with such unpredictable variety in the work. One minute you're perhaps helping somebody say goodbye to their best friend, and then straight away you're in a clinic with a new kitten and a new owner at the start of their journey into friendship with this animal. And you've got to be able to manage that. And then you might have a cat that you've rehomed being given back because of behavioural challenges and in the settling in period. And you're, and then you might have a member of staff who's struggling with something personal that, that needs support. And, and you've got to deal with all of that in, in whatever field of animal welfare work you're, you're in. And that's from day one. Yeah. Because as soon as you go into this work, you're exposed to that. And it, and I think so many of us train on the job. We we go into it yeah. and from day one, you are there, either you're volunteering or you're shadowing, but you, you're in it, you're immersed in it. And nobody prepares you <laughs> for that. You can learn about, you know, with dog training, we can learn how to teach different exercises, what mechanical skills we need, how to adapt for different handlers. If somebody suddenly turns around and challenges you and you feel threatened and you don't know what to do, like, no, like, where, where is the training for that? <laughs> and, and all the other sort of emotional challenges. So I just thought having learned over just through experience, but also I did four years um, practical philosophy um, in London um, in, as an evening course. And then I also, when I was studying the human behavior change masters that I did, I chose the positive well-being pathway of that, which was about helping humans change our behavior to be more positive 
a lot of that was positive psychology and self-care. And I just thought, I've got all this information that I've tried things out. I've seen them work in practice. I've got things wrong. I've seen that, how that didn't work in practice. So I've learned from that. And like whenever we're teaching our dog training classes, I always say to my class very openly, what I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you because I've like I've tried something different and it's gone wrong and I've learned how. So I'm telling you, you know, so that you can learn from mistakes I might have made. And I think that's really important that we own that and we just say, look, we're all learning until you've learned something. You don't know it. And so how are you going to navigate your way through life? And I just thought I've got that knowledge and it it could help people. And I, I just I really believe that we shouldn't ever. What, what's the point of keeping anything to yourself? We should share yeah. whatever it is. And then people can make up their own minds. They can say, OK, some of that works for me some of it might not but I'm glad to know it mm-hmm. so that that was the reason when when Cabby suggested would you like to think about putting this into a text and I just thought you know what I yeah I'll give it a go because what what's that like what happens if I do it like okay it could go horribly wrong like it it could like I could not be able to write it down it could be really complicated but I'm going to learn along the way what happens if I don't do it? Nobody gets that information apart from people that I'm talking to or managing directly. Yeah. So it's better to try it. And there's there's no, you know, there's no harm in that. There's no, it's just your, it's about your attitude to, yeah, I'll just say yes and I'll do it. And if it doesn't work well, tried and I learned. And if it does work well, I tried and it helped. And yeah, that's that's how it came about. So you were worried about how, like, writing it down, like, how would it come across? And I think it is a really easy read, actually, Tamsin. So you did a really good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that and that was really deliberate because I think my mentor in this whole animal welfare field is is Julie Bedford. That some people might know, you might have heard of her. I and and I remember years and years ago, yeah, I love Julie. <laughs> years and years ago, she said to me, just keep it simple, Tam. Like people don't people don't need to know like all the long words. And you're talking to owners that just need to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like that, I don't need to impress anyone with all the terminology. I can if somebody wants this written up very scientifically, I can do it. But just for your you know your general reader mm-hmm. keep it simple like you don't need to make it any more complicated because that just detracts from the message just put the message out there so I really wanted it to be mm. easy to read digestible accessible relatable all levels from you know veterinary surgeons to people working in rescue to dog training instructor just across the whole field so just something there for everyone and if people want to go and research all the sort of different models of behavior and all the information that's in there it's all referenced so they can go and do that but yeah hopefully yeah I'm glad that seems to have come across it should be easy to read because the messages to me are so important that people read them yeah I just think um sorry Steve having having a book like that you know even if someone doesn't delve in first look uh, for me, seeing, I mean, how many dog training books are there out there now? And, you know, 
and but brilliant how do you even, as well. Yeah, they, they are brilliant. And <laughs> but how do you choose? And um, and this is probably one of the only ones that I would go. Oh, someone's written a book about that. Maybe I should take note. Maybe I should be thinking about my emotional well-being. You know, a bit mm. like like you said, we do have to be kind of a jack of all trades you know most people are running their own business as a as a dog yeah. professional as well so you've got to have that business woman hat on you've got to have look after yourself look after your staff look after your clients um <laughs> and so I think um the biggest thing for me I think is just the fact that this exists and that all your knowledge mm. um is is shared because let's face it no one owns knowledge do they you know it's just a series of thoughts that you've collected in your brain and once you're gone that's going to go so this is like important stuff to write down to get people thinking that uh, that they should be thinking about it (laughs) yeah that makes sense that was a bit of a rambling no exactly that I think because you're not aware when you go into it and you're, you're so passionate about animal welfare and helping animals and helping people um that you don't actually think about yourself. I think a lot of, well, so many people in this these fields are just so selfless. We're, you know, working overtime, getting up at 6am to get our own dogs sorted so we can go off and help someone else with theirs mm-hmm. and doing tons of stuff unpaid just through kindness and a desire to make people's and dogs' lives. Well, I say dogs because obviously I have a dog bias, yeah. um, but make <laughs> animals' lives better. Um and a lot of that, like that takes its toll. But again, it's about just being prepared for that because we often forego ourselves. And that's not fair. We're not fair to ourselves. And I've seen that there is a fallout from that because there's only so much, you know, we we, we have our physical and our emotional reserves, mm-hmm. but they do deplete because the work is challenging and it's long hours and it's dark you know and cold but we're still going out and then we have to write things up and then god bless like everyone who's self-employed like tax i don't even i don't know all that business <laughs> stuff but, mar- but I, I mean i don't that's a field somebody else needs to write that because marketing I, I i don't know when you go into this i've always been really fortunate like i've always been employed mm-hmm. so i haven't had to I couldn't market myself, just couldn't do it. I'd be like, oh, I might be able to help, but I know tens of hundreds of people that are, <laughs> they, they'd be brilliant to help you. Like I wouldn't be able to sell myself. So, it, but you don't learn that and you don't know that when you go into it, mm. you go into it for animals, but there's so much more. And I think you can't do the best that you want to unless you're really taking care of yourself, but we just don't, we don't think about it. Yeah. And and then when we do think about it, we feel bad. We're like, oh, I shouldn't really have the day off because I know I need to really see that animal and that person. I'll go on. I'll take. I'll do it. I'll go. I'll go and I'll do the visit. Yeah, book it in. And you're like, well, and then also we worry about well, if I don't have all that work booked in, if I take two weeks off, I'm losing money. Like, and I need to live. And mm-hmm. there's so much pressure. It's so hard. Yeah. Like, it's such a hard difficult industry to be in and yes it's really rewarding in terms of the feedback you get from the animals because you know when you're helping them and sometimes you can't sometimes you you can't help them because of factors that are beyond your control like owner circumstances sometimes it is just a 
the animal is in an environment where they're not going to thrive. Mm-hmm. But actually, that is the only environment for them at that moment in time. And despite the owner's best attempts, there are always things that that animal is exposed to that affect their welfare. And we take that personally. We take we we feel responsible, and we're not. And it's really recognizing the sort of limit of our responsibility when we're working with cases, because we do we we feel so responsible for these animals' emotional experience. But we can't, we can, like our role is to give the information to the owner. It's for them to implement it as best they can within their own, all the pressures of their own lives. And and sometimes they just can't do what, like, and I might think, oh my God, if you could just do that, the dog, they can't. And that mm. I think that can create disconnect with the owner. Like it's all about empathy. And I think learning more about caring for yourself and all of the things that I've put in the book, which I must say, and I always do try to explain to people, I didn't make all of this stuff up in the book. This, these are things that I have learned about. I've just put them all together in one book for everyone um, and written about them. But I, you've done, you've done all the hard my... work for us, basically. Yeah. We can we <laughs> just, just put it go, all yeah, together. tick, done. Yeah. <laughs> all these models of self-care and stuff. But I think when, when we learn how to care for ourselves, we actually care better for other people makes us more understanding of why people do the things they do. And that's really important because it just, it means you can just take a sigh and just take that pause. Like I talk in the book about, it's really important just to pause, mm. to take this, this, this sort of necessary in between. I think very often we rush from one case to another case and then we've got to write that up and then I need to do this. And then I need to get to the bank and then, if we just pause in between everything we're doing, just come to stillness and quietness and just have that moment and then turn our attention to the next thing, we do that next thing better. We're not, our attention is just in the present. Yeah. And I've spent years practicing that. Yeah. And I can say yeah. the more you practice something, as we know from dog training, the better you get at it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, one day I still I still have lessons. I still I have a lesson once a week with my dog, and this is like thirty years on. I still take my dog to training classes um, because I appreciate being taught and getting feedback. And I am still learning, and I'm still trying to improve my own skills. And I think that's really important. But you know, we we do get better at what we practice, and if we practice looking after ourselves, it becomes second nature. But you have to make that conscious effort and it is a conscious decision. I'm going to take five minutes for myself today. And that, that's the first step. And it's, it could just be one minute just to sit for one minute. And I'm going to listen to the birds just for one minute. Or I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to listen to a song really loud. I mean, you shouldn't listen to music really loud but however loud as you want. Um, And I'm just going to take that, the whole of that song, just to focus on that and forget the report I've just written, listen to it, and then I can come to the next thing and just take those pauses for ourselves. They're so important. And these little things make such a difference to our lives. But until you start doing it, you don't, you can be sceptical about it. But I'd say just try it. Mm -hmm. Just try it and see. Like, if it doesn't work for you, don't carry on. But don't knock it until you've tried it. It's it's really interesting you say that because uh, I, 
Oh, well, I was having a conversation with Corin yesterday about um, because we we go to counselling, Corin. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Um, me and Corin, and it's been absolutely wonderful. And yesterday, um, we were kind of, I guess, we're coming coming to the end of our sort of counselling journey. It's really hard to split up with a counsellor, by the way. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried to do that? They they don't like it. Um, <laughs> but um, that's another story. Um, but yeah, the 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 things that we've learned. Though you talk about skeptical a lot. I've always had a, quite a skeptical mind about everything. To to a to the point where I think it's actually held me back quite a bit. Actually, now the, the kind of older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing. So the our counselor was absolutely amazing, but she was certainly a little bit um, eccentric, I guess, at certain points. So she'd have us doing things with our bodies and like, you know, like, you know, feel about how does that feeling feel and, you know, sit up straight and move your hands like this and this kind of thing. And as soon as someone starts doing that, I, it reminds me of like when you're at school and people start giggling and you can't, you do, That's you can't stop giggling, giggling and you feel uncomfortable <laughs> about it. But actually, when you start peeling those those sort of like techniques, those different things away, you start realizing, oh, okay, this is just about breathing or being present yeah. or, and there's so many different ways of doing the same things. And one of the things that I think, again, I haven't read the book, but what Corinne's been talking about that, um, that I think is really nice about this is all of those sort of like ideas coming from different places. Because I know you talk a little bit about stoicism in there and all these different like maybe philosophies and things and ideas yeah. that, you know, if you take if you take a little bit from here, like you say, you try it out, you give it a go. And I've actually found myself some of the more outlandish ideas from our counsellor. I've found myself trying out and actually working, you know, and it sounds really like, well, of course they work. There's a reason why you do these things. But you being skeptical can hold you back. And and um and I like the idea that people can take all of these ideas that you have in this book and be like, okay, I'm I'm going to try that. I'm going to try pausing for a few seconds a day. I'm gonna I'm gonna be more assertive at saying no and and laying my boundaries down. Um, I'm gonna I know there's a little bit because I have had a flick through and there's a little bit about mantras and I've always found mantras fascinating. Yeah. And and again, yeah. like, if you think about like <laughs> when when someone said mantras to me, sort of five years ago I'd be thinking well that's straight out the woo woo you know <laughs> yeah. slap me up with patchouli oil I'm off you know like sort of thing but actually all it is 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 changing your mindset it's just you know it's just repeating yeah. something until until it sticks like practice makes permanent doesn't it you know so I love yeah. I love all that that stuff now I'm really starting to open up to it and I'm only 45 so you know who knows where I'll be <laughs> oh he's so young <laughs> so young <laughs> I think I think it's really important, like what you're saying, like we sometimes get hung up on these words like scepticism, for example, like we've all said it now, but we can just reframe that to curious. Mm, and yeah. actually you can turn scepticism around and say, well, I'm I'm sceptic or I'm curious, so I'm not sure that's going to have an effect. So why don't I actually be scientific? You know, we're all scientists. Let's test the theory. Let me try it. But actually, to try something, you do have to commit, like, I'm going to try it wholeheartedly and then just see. Um, and it may or may not be for you, but there'll be something else that is if that's yeah. not the thing. But, and because we are all individual and, and what the way that I might look after myself or try to, because, again, it's we're all trying. We're, even veterinary medicine, like we talk about practicing. It's a veterinary practice. We're practicing medicine. Mm. Um, you know, we're not saying 
you know, you, you're always practicing, you're always trying to get better, but so you can try different things and, and just you'll find something that happens, like something that works for you. And, and I think one of the sort of, one of the sort of ideas in the book is to, um, it was Barbara Friedrichsen who wrote about nourishment and thinking really about savoring the things that really connect with you in life. And, and I think us in the doggy world, I'm, I mean, I, happy to say it but I think we're geeky like we love dogs we love dog training we love reading about it studying it learning what we can and that gives us an awful lot of satisfaction meaning and purpose like the more we learn the more we know I don't know like I need to learn Mm -hmm. more and and we can really savor that but but there are other things in our lives that nourish us in the same way but we just have to be aware of it so if it's music if it's song lyrics you know, take those, they can be your mantras. If it's walking, you know, if it's art, I think it, it interests me and there's, there's a study in this somewhere, but it interests me that how many people I've worked with in the sort of veterinary um, field who are actually really creative mm. and the veterinary field is technical, it's scientific, it's very, I mean, you have to learn about physics, you know, calculations, radiography, like it's very, um sort of science yeah science based but so many people also have this creative side to them like so many people I've worked with are incredible artists or they they play instruments or they can you know they, they write and there is that balance and and I think sometimes we're scared to try and I always like just ask the question well what is the work like what what happens if you do what happens if you don't and 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 take that I think it's just that fear yeah and I think some of that like your counsellor just saying come on let's just move and mm-hmm. it's about letting go of that fear yeah. that we have of of what other people perceive of us like oh the you know this feels silly and but once you just commit to it it's like when you do I don't know if you've done karaoke I've only done it oh. a couple of times oh. we've all done this as a as a as a team oh, as well. karaoke Tam's in it Dog might... X, we need karaoke there. <laughs> we, we did it last last time at the end yeah, of did. at the end of uh, the end of Dog X. We all went into Winchester and we did do karaoke. Um, on but it's the whole thing about karaoke because I have only done it a couple of times. But you've got you've got to commit to it, and once you commit to it, you're in it, oh, and we, it's joyous. We, yeah, we 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 do with the help um, of tequila. With the help <laughs> of tequila, we're in the moment. We um, are committed. I, I am Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I've got an I've got a bit of a theory actually. I've been um I've talked to Nat and Corin about this a lot actually. That that sort of art art and mix of dog training and behaviour. Um, because I I used to be in a band. Um, I've always been into yeah. drawing and things, and and I was massively drawn into dog training. And I think this is my theory, and I'd love to explore this in some way, shape, or form. But I think it's. I don't think there's any greater um, flow state than when you are communicating non-verbally with another species. I think it's just yeah. if, if you're in that moment that it speaks to people who who are creative, I think, because, you know, that flow state is what, kind of what it's all about. Yeah. Connection, flow state like you you're when you're playing an instrument that moment when you're you, when you forget what you're doing when you're when you're painting a picture that moment yeah. where it's just you know where it's just coming out of somewhere and you don't even know where it is 
you get a very very similar feeling to that when you're training and that that idea of the the art of dog training has really yeah. like been tingling my synapses recently i really want to mm-hmm. like explore that there's a really wonderful book actually. yeah it's a brilliant book i don't know if anyone's ever heard sorry i'm just reaching behind me oh, i've been reading um a woman called jennifer zeligs anyone ever heard of jennifer oh zeligs? no so the book's called mindful partners and it is kind oh. of about it's about this where the art mm-hmm. and the the science kind of collide yeah. and mix come together i think you'd really like that book yeah yeah. yeah thank you i'm gonna yeah treat myself there you yeah. go self-care by myself <laughs> yeah. <and my> <laughs> i think i think um as well when we're empaths and we notice detail because we're in because we're emotionally intelligent whether it's a human or another species in front of us that that is almost like that's all of the way there for mindfulness and you just need to switch it back on yourself basically because there's so there's like one behavior that I know when I watch it it will make me smile if I've been having a really shit day or I'm on a bit of a downer or whatever I know to go for a drive and find a roundabout and find a seagull doing the dance that brings worms up to the surface and that is my like it it can save me from things you know and mm-hmm. um, yeah I think everybody's got a thing you just got to find it if you don't know what it is go and go and find it and um yeah then you can give back to yourself as much as you're giving to everybody else because otherwise you're just going to end up drained like a little shriveled mm-hmm. crew <laughs> Tamsin, you um nobody needs to <laughs> nobody no, needs no, let's that. avoid that. And this book helps you avoid the prune stage. <laughs> that should... I love that tagline. That should have been on the back. Avoid <laughs> yeah. the prune stage. Read this book. <laughs> Karen Goodall. Um uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, Tamsin. So some of the personal experience you share, there's like um vulnerability to that. Was mm-hmm. I I've I'm hearing from you that you probably didn't question putting those stuff in there, but did it ever cross your mind like, oh, this this makes me really vulnerable to share these these experiences? You know what? No, I think because <laughs> because I do try to live what I sort of say mm. and I committed 100% to it, and Cabby had specifically said it would be really useful to have case, like little small case studies. So throughout the book there are little, as you read, there are little exercises that you can do, but then there are also little examples of of real life. And these they're all true. Mm. <laughs> they are all true situations. Um and I just thought that is really important because it does it, it I just I want people to see how people that hopefully we can all relate to have struggled have maybe tried to face things how things have worked for them using some of the techniques that the book talks about um just to see real life examples I think that it's that's helpful to to sort of bring it to life um and they were you know they are really personal but they are also really meaningful and hopefully Mm -hmm. really do add value in that way absolutely um and tears, because tears to my eyes quite often. And t- well, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, but yeah, but it, it, it's. I think it's just really helpful because you you understand that like we aren't alone in this profession, mm-hmm. and there are people like sometimes when when you're having a tough time, you think this is just me, and you look around and you think, well, they're dealing with it, and they seem to be, you know. And I think we we now live in an age where everything is very public, everything's very visual, and all the way that people choose to present themselves via social media, you know, having the best life. And, but that's not real life. And I think anybody working in these fields, we know the real life struggles. And there are brilliant, brilliant times in all of our journeys where you've done it, you know, the case has worked out, you've really made a difference. The owner's been able to do everything you've asked, which is really rare, but sometimes that happens, or you've got someone who's really committed or you've inspired someone, they've come back to you and said, oh, you know, I bought that book that you recommended. It was amazing. Thank you. Um, which I'll be coming to you and saying, so thank you. <laughs> but it, it's kind of, you know, you have you have such good arts, but actually there are, you know, it, balance, it life naturally gives us ups and it gives us downs. And I think it's how, you know, somebody said to me once ages ago, like, yes, life does have ups and downs but or does it do things just happen we decide that they're up that they make us feel a certain way and do do we I mean it's a big philosophical question Mm. but do we have some choice around that when really awful things happen to us and I have to say yeah like every one of us awful things have happened to all of us and myself included but we can let those things suppress it like we can let those things overwhelm us overcome us or we can overcome and we can suppress them and and part of that is taking control of that and we can do that in our personal lives but we can also do that in our professional lives and and there is a section in the book that where we sort of cover that and like what happiness is and where it comes from but also how to change your mindset how to take more control Mm. consciously over the situation that you're in I've been in a training class where I've been trying to teach people and you know I think we'll we'll, you'll all identify when you say to someone I want you to take three steps forward and then just walk immediately backwards call the dog in front of you and they turn around you're like no 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 don't turn around three steps forward just walk backwards oh so they turn forward then they walk backwards in the other direction no 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 (laughs) three steps forward three steps backward let's try without the dog and and I, and then you you think, how am I not? What am I doing wrong? Like how? Why is this going so badly? And then as soon as you start to think this is going really badly, and then you think, oh God, now that lady over there looks really bored. <laughs> that dog's now about to pounce on that one, and you're there, and, and you you feel you're losing control. And because we we know so much about emotions now, we know that loss of control like that's a loss Mm. and we grieve for that and grief is so connected to panic but once you start to feel that things are getting out of control we start we panic and when you're in that panic state you you can't really you're not in frame to make any decisions that are going to be helpful because you're panicking um and it's about how to acknowledge that grief acknowledge that loss of control but think what can I bring back into my control and actually be in that moment and 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 learn not to let it get away from you. And part of that is your own thinking. Because very often we think about, we're like, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. Why did I 
get her to stand next to him because their dogs are. And rather than thinking, oh, mm. I'm such an idiot, I could be thinking, oh, okay, that that's not the best place for them. I can ask them to, I'm going to just say, oh, I shouldn't probably, I'll probably next time, let's get you to move over here. Take control. And I know that's a really simple example. And, and no. sometimes it isn't that easy. And I don't mean to be flippant, but I really think we can learn not to attack ourselves. I think we said, like, I often call myself an idiot. Oh, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> sometimes I'm an idiot. <laughs> but, 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 you, but, but it's something I often say to myself, gosh, oh, such an idiot. Um, ah, why did I do that? And I'm like, do you know? And then you challenge yourself. I'm like, why did I do that? Well, because I'm a human being. I'm under pressure. I had to make a decision quickly. And I did do that. But what can I do now to get the best out of that situation rather than just keep focusing on the fact that I've stuffed up? <laughs> and it's just, it's having that ability to, to talk to yourself in that way, the way that you would talk to a friend. Like if I heard, like, anyone I know saying oh god I'm so so stupid I'm such a fool I'd be like no you're not you're not but what so why is it okay for me to call myself that if I wouldn't let my friend speak to themselves that way it's not okay so I think we have to just really be aware of that how we treat ourselves because it has a lasting impact we know when we we might have been told by other people certain things about ourselves and we know what that feels like so why would we join in I don't need to <laughs> tell myself things like that. It's incredibly powerful, uh, an idea, isn't it? Again, it's kind of it's straight out of the sort of Marcus Aurelius playbook, isn't it? Of um, of stoicism, like stoicism. Yeah, and most people know Marcus Aurelius as being uh, in Gladiator for a few minutes, didn't it, at the beginning? But he was a uh, he was a uh, he's got a very famous book called Is it the Meditations? I'm not sure what it's called, but. It, it and it's it's this wonderful kind of love letter across the across the generations of um of, of how to think how to reframe your mind how and yeah. and i know that stoicism isn't the answer to everything i'll tell you another great book as well now we're talking about books um Darren brown's book happiness or oh, ha yeah. i think i know i think it's called happy actually it's yeah, a it's big happy. big book happy. but it's all about um it's all about stoicism but this this idea of you know you how how to relinquish control but also really mm. understand what you're in control of and really the only thing yeah. you're really in control of is how you react to anything like how you perceive mm -hmm. anything everything else is completely out of your control and it's a it's a powerful notion really difficult to practice in reality but yeah. but it's a powerful <laughs> powerful idea to frame the the idea of like you're in control of your story and the stories that you tell yourself or, or the things that you let in are really going to affect your your mood and and the way you act. But as you said, you know, the more you practice these things, the better you get at them. Yeah, and we make mistakes along the way because we are human, mm. and that you know that's okay. There's a, there's a really lovely quote from Nelson Mandela, which I'm in the softball team for Dogs Trust. And I remember saying, sharing this quote because things were going very badly. For can, I, can I just <laughs> can I just say I I just I I couldn't think of anything nicer than playing softball with Tamsin. Oh, yeah, the on, softball team. Do you need do you need a rival team? Let's play. <laughs> yeah, come on, we're called the underdogs. Of Amazing. Course. But Amazing. yeah, things 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 were going very badly, and so I thought, right, I need to give like a a, a sort of prep, like before the last round. And the last innings, come on, let's have like a team talk 
So I was like, it's Nelson Mandela who said, you know what, we never lose. We either win or we learn. Mm. It's just Nelson, it's beautiful. No. And, and that's just about framing those negative moments where, like I'm like where we might be like, like I'm really losing at life right now. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm learning. Mm. It's it's all it's all an opportunity to think, okay, that didn't go as I planned. And I accept that. But I will not like I'm not going to do that again because I I am open to learning from that experience. And in the same way, learning from everyone, like everyone has something to tell, to teach us, to tell us. But we need to be open to that. So even people whose beliefs and maybe, you know, ideas just don't align with our own, we can still learn from them. It might be, okay, I learn. I'm never going to do it like that. But that's still learning. They still have something to teach us. But if we're not open to it, we lose that connection. And I think life is just, you know, nobody is getting out of here alive. We're here now. we got to, don't we deserve to have the best time? Like, my dog is here with, well, she's asleep on the sofa, but while she's with me, it's my responsibility to give her the best life possible. And I hope that she has that. I want to come back but as your dog, Jam, so don't worry, you're doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, does, she does have a lot of fun. She has a lot of fun. She basically just gets to do what she likes and I take photos of her doing yeah. it. <laughs> but I think we all deserve that as well. We all deserve to live our best lives, but but who brings that about? I think sometimes we we put that on other people and, oh, but there should be an opportunity for me. There should be – actually, no, I, I – I can drive my own life like and and try to have experiences that will nourish me and, and teach me something and yeah and I think we can all take those steps and they can be teeny steps it can feel really daunting when you're at a low place it can feel really daunting especially in sort of this industry oh here she is like did you hear we're talking about hello, you? Papa. <laughs> yeah hello oh, beautiful hi baby <laughs> Poppy. Yeah, I think in, in these industries and in this this field, you see other people doing so many things and it, it can be overwhelming and you aspire to be like so many people and start to compare yourself and think, well, I'll never get to that standard. I'll never, you know, gosh, they know so much. I wish I knew that. I'll... And we start to already we're disconnecting ourselves from it. Whereas we can connect and say, look, they're in the field. God, they started somewhere once. Yeah. You know, what? what is stopping us apart from us? And I, I had that conversation with a vet last week who's been put into a senior position. And they said to me, like, I'm really feeling out of my depth. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I got this job. And I'm like, but you, you did get this job. And you got this job because the people who appointed you believe in you. So what is stopping you? And they were able to say... I don't know if I believe I can do it. And I'm like, well, you, number one, you've got to trust the people that that believe in you, but we've got to help you believe in yourself now. And again, there, you know, some of the models that I talk about in the book sort of cover ways in which we can learn to have more self-belief and, and, and trust ourselves. And by having like good experiences, by shadowing other people that we relate to, by getting really good feedback by mastering something and getting into that flow state and just doing it little bit little by little um and we can learn to believe in ourselves and 
but it's a big it's a big journey and but it starts with just that one commitment to do it and and we are all there is nobody that's incapable of doing that so we it, we can all do it and we should yeah <laughs> we deserve it <laughs> I've uh, I've forgotten I'm on a podcast now. I'm just listening to Tam. <laughs> this is great. Inspirational. Can, book, can I book you in every every weekday at nine a.m. just to tell me that everything's okay? Yeah, but okay. we have to play rounders. Okay, I love rounders. I love rounders. A, I am good at throwing and catching. So you, we played it. We played for my birthday. Yeah, we did. And um, I was not as good as I remember. <laughs> I went. I was like, really did a big swing on the bat, thinking it was going to go ages, and I think it literally dropped in front of Nat's feet. I was like, oh. mind, mind you, when when you played at school, you probably weren't playing under the influence of twelve margaritas. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Um, you know what? In 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 term, just quickly, sorry. Oh, no, in no, terms no, no. of softball and rounders, I think it's really important. Like, I think we should do more with our dog training classes. Just because I because I do play a lot and like my instructor always says to me, God, your delivery, if I'm using a toy like a plan to throw, so how like if she says to me, Could you could you deliver that like in the tunnel? I can throw it and it will go in the tunnel. And she's like, Wow. And even <laughs> with the left hand, because I've done it so much. Yeah. So I actually think yeah, yeah. practicing or playing games like that is really good for our owners because they can deliver the reinforcement exactly where we, you know, really want it to be to help the dog. So there, there's method to the madness of let's let's get together and play rounders. I think <laughs> and, right. and bowling. Come on, Corin, let's you, do it. You don't have to ask me twice, I'm there. Any <laughs> I, I really think I really feel passionately about any sort of um mechanical skills like that, like lure, luring, for example you know yeah. a lot of classes will be like right now lure the dog into a sit or whatever whatever it might be but without going into the oh, idea of like what is it you know what is a like how you know how do you move your body where should you hold the like all of those mechanical things yeah, is it are, like that is yeah. it like this is it like that and i and i think you know one like you say when you get those those really like simple things down and 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 we know how much dogs like feed off of watching your body language everything else becomes so much easier i know we're just talking about training for example but yeah i think i think practicing mechanical skills is huge absolutely huge hmm. and and on that line you know we we do try to get our learners like out the dog owners that we're working with whether it's training or behavior modification when we are trying to give them those mechanical skills it is about muscle memory it's about hmm. how you move and I think we also forget that the brain, we can think of that like a muscle. Mm. And the more you practice, like delivering your re reinforcer, if I want to get it over there, I know I know I can get it in the right place for my dog. And that really helps her. But actually, and that's come about through practice, through repetition. And I always say to my class, you know, I know this is a lot of repetition, but this is, it's important. It's laying foundations we can do that with our mind as well. And remember the brain is, you know, there's muscles and it, it is that practice. It's that repetition. It's all applicable to our mind and our thought processes just as well as our physical um, movement. And that's really important to remember. We we can train our brains yeah, and, and we shouldn't forget the brain as part of our emotional, like the way that we live our lives with our dogs, with our 
um, the, the the people that we're teaching or training or supporting or managing, you know. And bringing that full circle as well, I think that's why it is something that appeals to creative people because it is learning, learning <laughs> until you're in that kind of flow state thing. It is, it is until it's ingrained in, it really does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get passionate uh, Yeah, no, I think that we've <laughs> lost him. <laughs> I think also with um, <clears throat> with creativity, you, you you see something come about mm. in response to you. Yeah, like you have created something, and because there is a section that where we talk about creativity in the book and and just how important that is, and even where people are like, "Oh, I'm not creative," and it's like, "Well, you got dressed today, didn't you?" Yeah. So you've decided what you're going to wear that's creative that's creation yeah. or you've you've cooked dinner you've cooked yeah. something yeah, yeah, yeah. and you've decided you've decided to add tomato ketchup mm. because you like the taste and you like the way it complements whatever you're eating with it that's creativity so again it's how we frame it and and we realize that actually everybody is capable of that and and i think there's so much creativity with working with animals working with people because we have to be creative in the way that we adapt what I might be teaching one owner and their animal, I'm going to teach somebody else completely different. And that takes a lot of creativity to come up with different courses, different things to teach, different structures of giving information. It For me, it really is like it, all of that, like even, you know, animal rehoming, you know, being creative about the rehoming process, mm-hmm. about how we introduce people to animals, how we... For want of the better word, how we well, let's not say sell, how we promote animals um to, to potential adopters. There is a creativity behind that, and it's really important to tap into that. And and because I think we get so much meaning and purpose out of these roles, and actually the creativity within those roles is part of that. And when we look at happiness, a sense of meaning and fulfillment is such a huge part of what makes us happy and that's both personally and professionally so the more we can do within our professional roles to to bring about that that sense of meaning because I think sometimes especially in rescue work you feel as if everything you're doing is futile you know there are more and more dogs coming in let's not even talk about XL bullies like these poor people and their dogs and and you just feel like well nothing I'm doing is making a difference and we feel helpless but actually, you know, that, that, that's the risk of our sense, losing our sense of meaning and purpose. And one exercise with regards to that that I would recommend to people is, like, at the end of the day, just think just think about one animal that you've tried to help that day and what they would say to you. Like, mm. I think of somebody in my class, like one of the dogs in my class on Monday night, like, what would they say to me? Oh, you know, and would it be, I'd thank you for turning up, for setting this up for me. I've had fun today. My dad learned something new about me. You know, we managed to get something together and I got that reinforcement and it was really fun. And, you know, it, if we if we practice doing that as well, it brings back the meaning and purpose. Even if I just think, gosh, that whole class is struggling or whatever. Well, of course I didn't, but you know, just breaking it down to those individual animals and what would they tell you? Like, think of the last animal that you worked with professionally. What would they say to you? Because that's where we get our meaning from. And even when the whole sort of bigger picture is 
feels overwhelming and challenging each individual like we are making little differences and we've got to acknowledge that but we the animals you know we have to acknowledge that for ourselves yeah. and we can do that I really and we love that it. that's really that's a really nice exercise to do after a session yeah yeah, I'm also I looking like forward to calling my mum up uh, today because I got a lot of judgment when I was a kid for having coleslaw with my roast dinner. So I'm just going to say I, I was being creative. Thank you, yeah. mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We've reframed it. We've rebranded it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> roast potatoes and coleslaw. Exactly. Hello. And mm. the gravy dripping in. It's amazing. Oh, it. maybe not great. No, yeah. you lost me now. Oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> what's the one we always argue about what you should eat kievs with, oh yeah it? oh well you're just doing it wrong no. well no hang on let me reframe that <laughs> you're doing it the way that brings creatively you joy yeah i'm doing it the way that brings me joy exactly and yeah. we're all we're all enjoying the garlicky goodness exactly. of chicken kiev or no chicken kiev yeah no chicken, chicken. kiev yeah picking picking <laughs> okay well <laughs> Tamsin, can I ask you a favour? Right, we um we do so on our podcast. We have like little sections. So we talk about the book. We've got a why read it section at the beginning. We've got a pricked my eye section, which is um where we're going to talk when you're not here um <laughs> about about parts of the book that really caught our attention. Um, we have a what's called the Greg Wallace moment. So that's a part of the book that made us go wow, like Greg Wallace goes wow. Um, and but we also have. Um, a practical my buttery biscuit base exactly oh my god how good is that song um (laughs) we also have a practical application section so what we normally do is we will find something in the book that we think that uh, our listeners could practically apply somewhere in their lives now i think we would be remiss not having you involved in that practical application section so are you up for doing a quick practical application section with us Right, we have to have a very, very, very short pause because I've got a jingle for it. Hold on. Cue, cue the jingle. A tin hit. Um, right. <laughs> um, so um, there is a whole section of the book, which is uh, practical toolkits or practical mm-hmm. toolkit for people to use. So obviously we don't want to give too many spoilers away because we want people to go out and buy your book, right? But... Um, but what would you say? So out of all of those things, um, what have we talked about today? We talked about mantras, boundaries, um, pausing, the power of the pause. Out of all of those things in the book, what would you think would be a really lovely practical application that our listeners could go away and do um, for themselves? Openness was a big thing you talked about as mm. well, Tam, like being open to actually start doing it. Yeah. I think openness is really important. It, it It's like openness within your your limit of how you know when we talk about openness like there's openness in terms of I am open to receiving information and I think that's really important like my whole thing about who is the learner who is the teacher in front of me what can I learn from them I think sometimes with openness, people think, oh, God, do they mean I need to share everything about myself and tell everyone all my deepest, darkest secrets? No, that's mm-hmm. not like we'll all have different levels of how comfortable we feel sharing stuff about ourselves. And nobody's asking or suggesting that you, you go out and sort of share like being open in that way. But really, it's about um, receptiveness to 
the world around you to what's happening around you to looking at what you can control what you can't control and really reflecting on that um and letting go like I think sometimes we hold on to things so much and we we go over and over them and they almost hold us captive and that becomes a barrier to us doing anything else um and it's it's learning how to detach and I think a big thing for me and I think it's one of the mantras is that like just saying no doesn't mean I don't care and I think sometimes we put those things together we think oh god if I don't do that it's like it's almost like I don't care about it and and because I care I, I need to say yes and those two things are different so saying no doesn't mean I don't care and that, that's a really useful sort of little mantra a little mm. guide um I think in terms of sort of things that people can take away I think we'll all be different and it will all be um you know we'll all have those little things that nourish us so number one would just be to really think about what what does energize you what does make you just have that like very quick momentary like nap with the seagull on the roundabout like do you know that that's that's a quick fix for like, you and I think the best thing in the whole wide world it really yeah. is it's just smile I mean it's not great it's, for the worm I'm, I'm putting that out there <laughs> it's, it's nature's way oh. yeah, I know. <laughs> you well and John's circle of life <laughs> um but I think one one thing that I suggest that I, that I quite like, because I just think it's really sweet and it's really easy, is what I call the self-care pick and mix. And this is the idea, because you can do this with dog training as well. So it's a dog training um, thing that I've sort of just adapted for self-care. And in dog training, it's the idea that you get like bits of paper and a cup and you just scribble down little exercises and put all them all in the in the cup and just leave it in the kitchen. And every time you pop into the fridge, you just pick one out. Oh, sit, stay one minute. Oh, I'm going to do that with my dog and just or a retrieve of a, another item. I'm going to do that. And just to just to mix up some training throughout the day. And I thought, well, OK, we could do that for self-care. So get 10 bits of paper, just write on them 10 things that you can do in maybe a minute or, you know, a couple of minutes, no more than five minutes, because we've all, if we haven't got five minutes in the day that we can just take for ourselves, you know, I I really believe we can find that time. Mm. So list 10 five-minute things that make you happy. So for me, for example, it might be just spending five minutes just looking at my dog, (laughs) because I do. I sometimes just sit and I just look at her and I'm like, she's so beautiful and I just love to look at her. Do I like that's such a luxury to do that and I get joy from it? Five minutes and allowing myself that. It could be I'm gonna listen to my favorite music for five minutes and just sit and listen, headphones on, eyes shut, nothing else. It could be I'm gonna, oh goodness, I'm gonna stand at, you know, at the window because I live in a flat and I'm just gonna look at we've got parakeets opposite and I might just watch the parakeets for five minutes. I might do five minutes of of stretching because that really makes me feel good. Um, And so just think about what these little things are. Another thing that I like to do, sometimes I've got favourite photos in my phone and I might just sit and sometimes I just flick through all my favourite pictures. Um, And the phone sometimes just randomly adds music as well, which is a bit weird, but that's nice. So, (laughs) and then you've got these list of things and, and just every morning get up, you pick one, 
okay, I'm going to do that five minutes and you just do it. Or if you're having like an email comes through or something and you're like, oh, crumbs, I need to get on with that. Five minutes, I'm going to do this. What is it? And and then you've got the novelty of what's it going to be? Yeah, I really Come like my dog it. for five minutes and just do it. And and that's it, that that doesn't take any resources, doesn't cost anything, and it's a commitment to your self care. And it's really simple. So that would be one thing I would say. Like just try it, I'm, see it. If it doesn't that. work, then do something different. But I love that. That's got, brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. a little cup in the kitchen from today. I realised yeah. actually when you were saying that I realised um, I've I've been doing something slightly wrong because um, there's a there's a part in the book where it's talking about visualising like the perfect day so like visualise you know what how your day is going to go or you know what's going to be like you know the best way it could be I do something that's the opposite of that where <laughs> I wake up in the morning and visualise how bad could this day go like, like, <laughs> like how terrible and I, and I think of all the worst possible outcomes of all the things I have to do. And my my reasoning for that is at the end of the day, I can go, well, that wasn't as bad as it was going to be. (laughs) There's that whole thing about just the the happiness of a pessimist is that that you can always say, well, I was right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, But I think that the book does also talk about your approach as well, because there is there is science around if you are planning something. Um, and it could be something personal, but let's say it could also be professional. It could be the way that you're going to work with an owner on a case. Um, if you do think about all the things that could go wrong mm. in advance, it, that gives you an opportunity to think, well, what if? Yeah. What if that does happen? What if they do rock up and the dog's on a check chain? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I will do this. What if, you know, I don't know, a car does drive into the side of our house today yeah well i will be able to sort that out we'll get we've got insurance like this will happen so we can if you think about the things that could go wrong again the mind skill part of the book teaches us to think about those things not reflect on them and and go oh god and get scared of them but to think okay well let me take control of those things all of those things could happen Mm. randomly they really could but I can now prepare myself and actually that's taking control and it's just flipping it and it's just helping you be prepared and having what we call X, Y plans. So if X happens, so if I'm working with a dog and an owner, if you turn around the corner and there is another dog right there and your dog cannot cope with that and is bouncing up and down, you will keep calm, breathe, turn around, sing a little song, walk along, get your reinforcement out reward your dog when they're relaxed, keep moving, cross over. And that really helps. And we can do that for ourselves as well. If, if if these negative things happen, you know, and, and sometimes we can't stop our brains thinking about them, but we can think about how we think about them and flip it around. And it's about that mind control, like, and just turning that around so that there is evidence, there's there's relevance to that and there's benefit from it as well. That's good. Um, as long as you don't catastrophize and just get hung up on, but what if they happen? What if they happen? And that anxiety then stops you having a good day. Yeah. This has been absolutely wonderful. I I, I have to, I do have to ask you the question though. Um, what is your favorite <laughs> Bob Dylan song? <laughs> You've had an hour. <laughs> we, I, I, should, I should probably just throw the list. I, I like to think Without of myself as quite, quite, <laughs> yeah. quite a big Bob Dylan fan, but I did find out that 
Tamsin has seen Bob Dylan 61 times live. 61. I mean, that's just. Oh, my God. Die going to Green Day now has to step it up. Not Green Day. uh, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. She's got to step it up. And and Green Day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I so I know I now I've I've been um relegated to the to the lower echelons of Bob Dylan fandom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. We're all in it together. It doesn't matter. It's not about like I've just been fortunate to have those opportunities and to have been able to go. Um but it's you know, anyone who just listens to that music, listens to those lyrics. Oh my god. And mm-hmm. just takes something from it. Come on. So in terms of a favourite song, um, I know this, this is, is just a, another. I know it's a stupid question. This is, by this the way. is nothing to do with yeah. dogs or <laughs> <Yeah>. books, <laughs> but it is. It's just another obsession of mine. Um, you know, geeky. Um, I, it, like you, like I have different songs for different times, but for me, it's some of the lyrics that stand out. So actually, just just to think of some lyrics that really resonate in terms of everything that we've said today i can think of two um so one of them is from a song where he says you know if you see your neighbor um if you see your neighbor struggling help him with his load but don't mistake paradise for the home over the road and that's like what he's saying there is you know again it's about really thinking about what you've got and recognizing like all the joy and stuff that that surrounds you Mm. and that we we sometimes look at, we look outwards for that and we look at other people and we compare ourselves and we shouldn't, we should just think about ourselves. So I love that. And then the other lyrics that immediately stand out with regards to what we've sort of spoken about is from a song called What Good Am I? Yeah, oh yeah. Where he's sort of questioning like, and he says, you know, what good am I if I know and don't do? And I love that. I love that. Um, just that self-questioning of if we've got information and we've got knowledge and we then have a choice about what we do with that knowledge. And he says, if if my hands are tied, must I not wonder within who tied them and where where was I? Where must I have been? And, it, and it's acknowledging that we've all got that responsibility. And, and you can apply that in any ways that yeah. you like. And I, and I sometimes, like, I'll read lyrics and other people will read them completely differently. And that's fine because we've all got our own experience. But that, I just I just love that. Like, what good am I if yeah. I know and I don't do? And I think in animal welfare, it just really rings. It just really resonates. And it's just a beautiful, just a couple of lyrics, just just two lines, but again has that meaning so and i think we can all apply it so good can, old bob i can imagine you, you um being approached to write that book and then hearing the lyrics of that song and then going yeah i'm gonna do it yeah yeah one that one but that sprang it, it, to there's mind there's also oh go on go on carry on no go on I was going to say the one one that this. sprang to mind. Sorry, <laughs> one that sprang to mind in the middle of um, when you were talking there is um, "Let Me Die in My Footsteps." You know where? Yeah, um, before I go down under. Yeah, and that yeah, whole yeah. idea of experiencing the world around you, and you know, traveling mm. and all of that. Yeah, yeah, A wonderful lyricist. And actually, that's the beauty, isn't it? The fact that someone can read it on one day and it speaks to them in one way, and in you know, on another day yeah. or another person. Sorry, I did interrupt you. What yeah. Were you gonna say? Well, I was just going to say that the other lyric that I think I think I even quote it in the book is where he says, 
that people don't we don't do what's convenient uh, we don't do what's right we do what's convenient mm. and then we repent and i just think that just sums up human <laughs> nature mm. like sometimes we behave in ways and we don't really know why but we're just we behave in the moment and if we're not prepared and practice we sometimes behave rationally and then we wish we hadn't done that and i think that there can't be anyone here who's not thinking about something in our lives and oh, i wish i hadn't just wish i hadn't done it we did do it and we did it because with behavior sometimes we're, we're not in control and we're not in the mo and we're, we're not bringing in our conscious awareness and 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 we do react and 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 those are the times when we do often think, oh, but then we just have to think, okay, well, I did that, but now I can I can learn from that. And again, it's bringing in that practice. But I just think it's those lyrics just make you think of that awareness and just of what it is to be a human. And at the end of the day, you know, as another quote from the book was from my friend Marion, who was nurse manager, another nurse manager at Blue Cross. Um, when I worked at Blue Cross, brilliant welfare charity and her saying to me tam you're a nurse first you're a, you're a human being first you're a nurse second and we are humans first before all of our roles and you know yes we're a dog trainer yes i'm a you know animal behavior counselor but i'm a human being first and that's so important and it's just having that in your your mind and going yeah i'm human and humans we live and we learn and we get things wrong and we learn from those, but we we don't lose. We win or we learn. Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. um, or we, you know, or we're winning at life and we're getting it right. And we can we should celebrate that. I don't think we celebrate enough times when we've really got things. Things have gone well, and we're like, do you know what? I yeah, well, I played a little part there with and as part of a bigger system. And that's my, I guess my one take home message is. Just the mantra that I always use at work is always hashtag one big team because I really think that everyone in animal welfare, we are all one big team because whatever um, choices we make or way that we conduct our practice, we all really want the same outcome, which is improved animal welfare. And that's what connects us. And we should be looking for what connects us, not not what sets us apart. Yeah. Thank you so much for writing such an important book, Tam. Thank yeah. you. And and for um just being a joy to listen to yeah. today and oh. always. Um I'm now even more excited to see you in the flesh. I may just attach myself to you like an Olympics <laughs> and yeah. never never leave you ever again. Um You'd be very welcome. Oh good. <laughs> good. Coco share you with me. Um yeah. so and I know that everyone listening will just be like nodding along and thinking, "Wow, I've got, to, I've got to get myself a bit of that Tam." <laughs> Tamatan. Tamatan. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, as Nat alluded to there, uh, Tamsin is going to be speaking at Dog X twenty twenty four, um, uh, and. I mean, if ever there's a um, a shout for cloning a human, I think Tamsin would probably be. <laughs> yeah. Probably I'd be one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, who wouldn't want to come and see Tamsin talk live? So, yeah, come and, come and get a ticket. Come and buy a ticket. Um, it's going to be absolutely awesome. 
Um, I yeah, thank you for writing such an important book. I look forward to reading it um, when I can when I can get it out of Corinne's hands. You know, when you just like it's just one of those you just keep going back and forth, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's already looking thank quite you. well loved. You know, like <laughs> well thumbed through. Yeah. So we've got a tradition on Barks from the Bookshelf where we do a fake buy. So we're going to do a wavy fake buy, but hang around, Hams, and don't go because we can say a real buy when we stop recording. Okay? A wavy one that no one will see. Yes. We've well, got a wave when you do a buy. We Even if wave. no one's in the So do I. I do the try same. Try say goodbye without waving. It can't happen. Okay, <laughs> then. Fake buy. Fake buy. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> I to beaches for a walk. And everything was fine It wasn't very busy And the weather was sublime We'd done a few great recalls And practiced loose leader But mostly we did sniffing Because sniffs are basic media And that is when it happened I couldn't quite believe it A million miles away from any washroom or convenience My pictures did a poop And being conscientious man I stooped down to collect That's when it happened Put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag What the hell am I gonna do with through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through that poop Well, I feel therapized. <laughs> therapized. Oh, she's I'm, just I'm, wonderful, I'm, isn't she? Oh my god, yeah. I went into a bit of a sort of. I was in a flow state. <laughs> yeah, I, I was writing down little time codes of little. Um, uh, sometimes we like cut little bits of the conversation out and use them as little standalone adverts. And I was writing, I was furiously writing little time codes. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a good quote there. There's another. Is good it all? Quote is there. it the whole lot? <laughs> I particularly love the bit about um, uh, what would the animal say to you. Oh, um, I'm so going to do that. I nearly, I nearly started welling up when me she was too. talking about that. Like, <laughs> what me would too. They say to me? <laughs> Leave me alone. That's what mine would say. Yeah, so, so, so good. Um, she's a ray of sunshine on an otherwise dull and cloudy day here in Southampton. So, um, yeah, I mean, come come and see Tamsin Talk at Dog X. Um, go and buy the book. Anyone, yeah. that's, anyone that's working in our industry, in, in any of the industries that we discussed in that, it is, I think, I think sometimes, because we know how important well-being is, sometimes we run the risk. If anyone's listening to this podcast thinking, well, I might get into dog training, sometimes I think potentially we run the risk of making people think, oh, God, that sounds... <laughs> Sounds like it's a bit heavy, you know, I might not do it, which and obviously we err on that side of things because we're in the industry and there's so many wonderful, beautiful, amazing parts of it that vastly outweigh the things that we discuss that get a little bit heavier sometimes. But it, it is so important well-being in every every facet of, of any organization or any career or just everyday life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Um... Yeah, we don't want to be sounding like we're trying to put people off, but I think it's just the the importance of being aware of it, really, because mm. there is so much 
trying to grab our attention all the time mm. in life now, isn't there? And uh, it, it made me think about, you know, when we were having chats with the marketing um, guys that we've got doing some flashy new things for Pact, and they were like, oh, well, you know, two minutes used to be classed as a short, first ad and now it's like two seconds or something ridiculous <laughs> yeah. like that it's like wow people only have that much time really so it is really important and I was also thinking about when I was listening because um uh like that take a breath I just thought straight away of that amazing final in on gladiators oh, oh my god with the travelator mm. and and you're like I thought you'd that none of them fail the travelator and then just get straight back up and, and try again. Mm. They all go, come on, you can do it. <laughs> and we are all going, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so have more uh, bottom of the travelator moments as well, I feel. Um, oh, hang on. I think I heard Greg. Over yonder. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Greggy? There's a Greggy outside. Should we let him in? Greggy, Greggy, Greg. <laughs> Whoa, it's a Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh, Greg Wallace moment. Buttery <laughs> biscuit boast. Sorry, I had to do it. It's been in my head. Base, base, base. If no one's ever heard that, Google buttery biscuit base Greg Wallace or mm-hmm. put it in YouTube and, and just... And, and just enjoy. Have that as welcome. your moment. Yeah. yeah, your moment to take two minutes. Your self-care. Could be listening to Greg Wallace. I always wonder that uh, sometimes I look at the stats of the podcast and I always wonder because he's very, very sort of UK centric, isn't he, Greg Wallace? And we've got people, there's one person that listened in Mogadishu at once, at one stage. So I'm not sure if they'd they'd be watching Celebrity MasterChef. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, um... I think you'll find Greg Wallace is is an international superstar. He's actually, Um, you guys um, celebrated Greg Wallace before Radio 1 did. Yeah. He's pretty popular on Radio 1 yeah. now. They phone yeah, him up actually... every year to see how many Christmas trees he's got up in his house. Ask yeah. Greg, Greg James listens to our podcast and steals all our ideas. Exactly. So Greg is you're welcome. Down with the you're welcome, Radio 1. Basically a deity at this point, isn't he, Greg Wallace? <laughs> um, so the Greg Wallace moment. So these are our wow moments from the book. Um, so uh, take it away. Uh, who wants to go first? Go on, Nat. All right. My one. Let's hope we haven't got the same, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should have checked. Oh, well. Um, It'll be a double wow. Uh, Is the if-then plan. The if-then. So um, I kind of feel like I do this-ish, but I'm going to make a concerted effort to do it more and say it in the way that is um, referred to. So I'll just read you a little bit. The critical part of goal setting is to work out how you will overcome obstacles before they arise. If X happens, then I will do Y planning. Tamsin talked about this without even a prompt. She Mm. did not know. And so I think um, it's going to be great in uh, behaviour modification plans. So I can say if this happens, then you do that. I might even write it down in reports. So I could have like you know, three different scenarios that they're struggling with and things to do so that I'm making it even easier and even clearer. Um, and so, yeah, that was my Greggy moment. 
Yeah, that sort of speaks to what we were talking about, like visualizing the worst case scenario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I like that. I like that. That is a good one. Wow. 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 We've all been in a car before trying to out-wow each other, haven't we? <laughs> well, I, I once wowed um, to, in a, into a voice note for Steve and I was at the bottom of the field and Jay was further up and he came running. He thought <laughs> I'd hurt myself. So I, I have to give him a, a wow warning before I do a, a wow. wow warning. Because they can be misinterpreted as an owl. <laughs> That's the yes. thing about a wow. You need to be careful where you, where you deploy a wow. <laughs> Did he come running because he thought there was an owl? Is that what you're saying? Not an owl. He thought I was being attacked by an owl and that's why he ran down. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. would come running for a bird though. He would happen. come running for a bird. He would, yeah, I would too. <laughs> anyway, uh, slight tangent. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Corin, what were yours? Um, uh, have I nicked one of yours? Or? No, no, no. So my, mine were the personal anecdotes um, that Tamsin shares throughout the book, um, especially uh, page 41, which just had me in a flood of tears um, when she talks about saving a cat's life um, but feeling quite disconnected from from it all. And I think if you've not felt and experienced that yourself, I think you can understand it. Um, and I just really thank Tamsin for sharing it. So um, that was my wow moment. Yeah, and I, I think from what I've heard from both of you guys and, and hearing Tamsin talk, that vulnerability to be able to share those stories so that, you know, you the reader will read them and go, oh, I've, I've been there or, you know, to be able to empathize with it and to be able to to know that, that you're not broken necessarily if, if these sorts of things happen to you, you know, is a human mm -hmm. experience, as Tamsin was talking about, um, to be disconnected and disassociated sometimes, but you need to catch those moments and then understand why you are and what you can do maybe to help yourself. But yeah, I think it's incredibly brave. I mean, the amount of books that we read where people, you know, I think every book that we've we've reviewed on the show, people have poured their blood, sweat, tears, emotions into, and it's incredibly brave to put these these little stories in that that give give you a window into you know true the true events and what it's really like to work in this industry. And obviously, there's degrees. You know, we were talking about. You know, we, I'm a, I'm a dog trainer and that's a behaviorist. Um, uh, obviously Tam's worked in, in, uh, as a veterinary nurse, um, and in, um, rehoming charities and, you know, mm -hmm. welfare. And there, there are degrees about the sort of, the sort of intensity to those sort of situations and everyone experiences things personally. Um, but I think, yeah, again, I just, I just commend people that, that are willing to put themselves out there like that. I think it's really, really, it's invaluable. Yeah, and it's it's real life, isn't it? Mm. At the end of the day, so uh, yeah, uh, kudos to Tam for the way she's written it as a kind of real life learning yeah. opportunity. She just strikes me as one of life's eternal students. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, we should all be a bit more, be a bit more Tam. She strikes me as someone that you you would you would climb up a mountain to find in a cave somewhere up the oh, top. Oh God, there. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, in a pilgrimage. Yeah, <laughs> a pilgrimage. Yes, let's do it. 
<laughs> to play softball. And then we'll play rounders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are the same. <laughs> we are the same. <laughs> question, 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 question. Questions. 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 I'm really fighting Thank the edge. Thank you for edge. your questions. Fighting the edge not to talk about the sack. See, you've done it. You've, you said we would, weren't going to. We weren't going to. And then you did it. I am. Yeah, it's very coming apparent that I'm the reason that this takes as long as it takes. <laughs> okay, right. Questions. So we had a question a couple of weeks ago that we never got to on the last podcast from the amazing Zazzy Todd. Um, hi, Zazzy. Hi, Zazzy. Um, did you know that Zazzy used to live around here? Did you know that? Yeah, around here. I think Zaz, Zazzy frequented the Joiner's Arms for gigs and she knew the old promoter that used to give... I'm going on a tangent again, but anyway. Yeah. There you go. It, there you go. There's some knowledge for you. Yeah, so you, I went to university. Away. She's yeah. very far away now, isn't she? So we have to talk very loudly and slowly <laughs> so she can understand us. All the way across the, uh, across the ocean. Um, yeah, okay. Southampton Uni, I think, Zazzy went to... Um, okay, so Zazzy has asked of what's uh, what's Zazzy's companion animal psychology um, blog? Yes, and uh, go over there. Go if you don't know if you've uh, never I mean, been just, over there. Yeah, Google her name; everything will come up. Obviously, Zazzy's been on the podcast. Amazing book wag. But anyway, Zazzy has asked um, of all the books you've read. I feel like this is a trap now. Of all the books you've read, which book left you still thinking about it a long time later, and why? Well, obviously, it's Wag by Zazie Todd. It is, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, to be fair, I mean, there, there's so much. Uh, Zazie has allowed us to be lazy readers um, mm. and done all the research of all the topics ever uh, to do with companion animals and put it in a book. So, to be fair, her book probably has kept us think- thinking the longest because... It's got all of the research that everything else is based on. It is one of those wonderful one-stop shop sort of yeah. that come along every now and again when you're just like, well, if I just had one, this would actually be not <laughs> yeah. a bad one to have. She also has written um, Purr as well um, from the cat's perspective. Oh, meowy meow face. You know, that, okay. o- that other animal. Um, <laughs> that other, the other furry four-legger. The other one. Um yeah. Okay. Right. Um, we did come. We had a question about this last time. That's kind of similar. And and Nat, um, I remember you brought up when dogs heal. That stayed I did, with us yeah. uh, a lot. Um, I'm just trying to think. I really. I'm. Go on. I'm going to go for um, the first ever one we had, uh, Turid, and um, calming signals of dogs because mm. it just you know again it's one of those kind of you hang everything else on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've um we've scuppered ourselves at this question a bit by putting a load of books outside of this room for now. So I'm I'm not I'm failing to jog my memory as well. Looking I mean, at the... I, I mean the real answer is there's too many. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Well, I bought this, all of the above. I bought this book up in the interview with Tamsin. So I've I've been reading this book recently called Mindful Partners by Jennifer A. Zelligs. PhD, no less. Um, and the tagline is The Zen Art and Science of Working with Animals. And I've really, really, really enjoyed this book a lot. Um, 
Uh, I've only recently read it, um, so I don't know about it staying with me for a long time. I, I think it will. But um, as we we were chatting with Tamsin, I'm 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 quite obsessed with this idea of whether where the art and the science sort of meet at the moment mm. and trying to sort of like get that straight in my head um and this book went a long way to to doing that a little bit and actually it's a nice bridge between um Tamsin's book as well because there's a lot of stuff about mindfulness in there and um yeah it's a wonderful wonderful book i'm hopefully hopefully i won't talk too much about it because i'm hoping we'll get jennifer on one day to talk about it yeah that sounds good um but yeah yeah that's uh, that's been a great book um, um i've just thought of another one as well go on this is a proper one this is like a childhood book uh, oh now i've got two. Oh, bugger uh, probably why i do what i'm doing today and why i look at non-human animals in the way that i do is because of two books um, one is The Animals of Farthing Wood oh, by Colin Dan. Amazing. And the other is Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. It, I still have the original copy of Charlotte's Web, and I remember my mum buying it for me at the school book fair. So it's, uh, how old will it be? That book will be about 35 years old, and it's got my little writing in it. Natalie Rogers. Um oh, and yeah, that if you haven't read that book, read it. It's amazing. You've really you just jogged my memory there because I read a book. I was a bit old. I was still a kid, but I was a bit older, maybe sort of thirteen, fourteen. But I read uh, Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. Um, oh and wow! It's it's a very small book. It's a very short book. It's a wonderful story about a guy who turns into a cockroach. Okay, wow. and how and how turning into a giant cockroach affects his um, relationships with his family and friends, and like what District Nine, a little bit like that. Yeah, you yeah you definitely would look have looked something a little bit like District Nine. Wow, and it really got me. And I didn't realize until I read something else a while afterwards that it's a really good book for seeing the human world through uh, an insect's eyes. Like uh, like another organism's eyes, and I always wondered uh, cause I, like I, I... um cock centric. <laughs> <laughs> what what's funny about that? I'm, I'm very tempted just to leave it there. Yeah, just like, leave, leave that hanging <laughs> hanging in the it. air what's, there. What's yeah, funny about that. Cock centric. Yeah, yeah, a cock centric view of the world. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe that has developed my cock centric view of the of the world. Um, yeah from reading it but yeah fascinating book and i like to think that somewhere maybe that that got me into the idea of how animals insects think and feel you know metamorphosis did metamorphosis you say? franz kafka okay. very short little books great wonderful <laughs> wonderful little read really good great writer went to went and visited his uh house in prague once he's dead but oh, <laughs> it's a museum it? it wasn't i didn't go uninvited <laughs> anyway <laughs> Is there a blue plaque? <laughs> He's dead. Spoilers. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you remember when we were in Prague, right? And um, we went to visit that cathedral. And um, you're not allowed hats on in the cathedral. No, anyone oh, anyone no. who knows me, I'm very precious about my hats. I'm did you have to get to your, your baldy out? I did. But what I'd do is I'd wait till the guy went away and then I'd put my hat back on and then he'd come back down the queue and he'd do the same thing. But all he would do, he would just walk over to me look at me and it's just say one word to get me to take my hat off and that one word was 
sombrero. <laughs> and then I'd have to take my hat off. And then off he'd toddle. And then he'd come back again and go, sombrero. sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Um, yeah. So there we go. Metamorphosis. Have a read of that. For a we covered co- a lot there, didn't we? We did cover we did a lot. When we thought we didn't have an answer. We I'm, covered a lot. I've, so I've stayed quiet. To... Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, in. no, no. I think... Um... Everyone could do with a pause in their ears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for providing a moment of calm in an otherwise sea of chaos. Okay, so um, we have one more question. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this to Nat, first of all, I think. Um, this is from Diana Golowitzer. Um, hello, Diana. Hello, Diana. Photographer extraordinaire. If... She is. She got bobbed as well. She's been bobbed. Oh, <laughs> in the yes. Bob victim support group <laughs> i noticed that she's actually she's done some photos for nick benger this week I saw some, that. yeah oh, they look re- lovely if you if you want photos of your dogs get in touch um dogs in focus i think is the yes. um, off the top yep. of my head uh diana golowitz are absolutely fabulous takes photos at dog x as well wonderful wonderful human but this wonderful human has got a question for barks on the bookshelf and the question is Define dog-centric. Why do you think it's a more useful term than ethical, force-free, or positive? Thank you. Ooh. So first of all, Um, we need to define it. Okay. So defining it means, um, well, centricity is about uh, what type of view you take. So from Mm. whose perspective. Mm. Um, So dog centric would be um taking the dog's uh motivations needs ethology and uh making sure that whatever happens and whatever goes on in the environment or any interactions are beneficial to that particular organism so anthrocentric is what most of the world is about which is about humans yep and things being for human benefit um yeah and cock centric and cock trick is about cockroaches he had to say it again didn't he <laughs> he's a child honestly a deep at heart <laughs> deep, deep. <laughs> i i think you know looking at um this goes back to our chats with with andrew howe and with stephanie russo um you know, look, being able to look at things through a more a more naturalistic way of how how dogs live in their worlds and their environments just opens up a, a a wonderful window into how we can then base our interactions and help them move through our world. You know, or we we love dogs, right? I think I think mm-hmm. that's fair fair enough to say. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and the you know the trying trying to force dogs to live in a human world is is it's the difficult thing you know um so i think the more we we look that down this route the more understanding we have first of all of dogs being dogs and second of all how we can live more harmonious lives with dogs because dogs want to live with humans as well you know um but it shouldn't be so anthrocentric this relationship um i don't know does that make sense am i rambling 
I think you... no, that makes sense. So it makes sense to me. Good. I mean, you're rambling because that's rambling. what we do best, mate. <clears throat> we, we both ramble on. That's my default through this this life. Is um, it is it a better? Is it more useful than force free or positive? I I mean. I, I don't think we've ever said that, but no. it doesn't mean we don't feel like that. But yeah. So the question is, is it more useful than the term ethical? Well, definitely not. Uh, force free or positive? I mean, you look, we humans love labels, don't they? We like to we mm. like to stick labels on everything, um, you know, uh, and we would describe ourselves, especially in the world of dog training. Some people would describe themselves as positive reward based dog trainers, force free dog trainers, ethical dog trainers. You know, I haven't got a problem with any of those camps or visions or or reasons for them them labels and tags existing. I just think it 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 always puts you in a box, doesn't it? And that that's that can be difficult. I mean, ethics. You know, I, everything should be done with an ethical mindset around it. Oh. You know, and that's how you should conduct your life, in my humble opinion. You know, to a certain degree, anyway. Um, yeah, but, and then, uh, but uh, you've got so much difference of what what is ethic, yeah. ethical. Mm. People can have their own personal ethics. Then you get onto the old morality. I mean, it all gets a bit philosophical, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. I guess I I I'm I'm with you. I agree with all of the use and the usefulness of all of those terms, and probably we should be trying to use as many as possible mm. um, to basically convey that um, we are considering the dog in front of us and the dog's experience which is why dog centric i think has maybe become a bit of a coverall for all of those things because if you are a um positive reinforcement uh reward based ethical uh force free dog professional um then you are going to be dog centric because a dog would choose those a dog would not choose uh the life where fear and pain are abundant mm. um so it kind of comes along for the ride a little bit the rest of those terms i think when you yeah. then use dog dog centricity as the the catch-all for that um yeah it encompasses those, all of them doesn't it and i think um I think because centric is used on the ends of lots of words, isn't it? So therefore, it then maybe speaks to the public a little bit more as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of capturing the cultural zeitgeist of the moment. Oh, get you with your big words. <laughs> I know. Look at that. Oh, really loved uh, when uh, Tamsin talks about the uh, the use of like just making this really readable for everybody as well. Her book. Oh, was that was that a dig? Don't use long words. Oh, I was a I'm not coming on the podcast again, guys. Is it? We love having you. Yes, you are. Yeah, no, it's very, very nice. And have you enjoyed yourself? No, it's been terrible. <laughs> I've been threatened. I've been threatened. That's just normal. You've been threatened. You've been uh, hurled abused at. You've been cut off mid-sentence. Welcome to Barks from the Bookshelf. <laughs> Welcome to so on that note has anyone got anything else they want to add before we uh let grant sing us out as we as we always do i mean obviously we've got dog x coming up um that's in october and corinne tell us about that we've got a special deal coming up we do so um whilst we are at crufts we are doing a four-day sale on um 
the the tickets this year. Um, uh, so grab yourself a ticket. Grab yourself a good good price. Whilst it's there, uh, one hundred and twenty five pounds. People bargain a whole day. Food, speakers, networking, stool holders, karaoke. You name it. Drinks. <laughs> oh yeah, the canapes. Yeah. I'm I'm buzzing for it this year. Um, we've got uh some wonderful speakers. Um, uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful, wonderful time to just meet people, network, get together, laugh. Um, we like to think of ourselves as the the dog training conference with a bit of a difference. We have uh, Grant performing live every year. That's kind of become a staple now, hasn't it? Um, to mm-hmm. sing us out. Um, yeah, it's um, it's really good. I love going to conferences. I love learning more. Um, I love meeting all the people there. I love, you know, reaffirming your geekiness for dogs. Um, I love all of that. So um, I'm going to be there, obviously. Um, by this point, everyone will now know that uh, the amazing Linda Michaels will be joining us. Hmm. Tamsin will be there. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we're sort of sort of trying to. uh, I was trying to do the maths about who we would have announced by the time this is released. Because obviously we record this before the releasing, so we've got to be careful with who we say. But yeah, definitely Linda, definitely Tamsin. Yeah, I think we should leave it there. And if we, (laughs) and if uh, you want to find out um, the last speakers who will be joining us on the day. And uh, when the tickets will be available to purchase, then sign up to uh, register your interest at pack-dogs.com forward slash dogx. Indeed. Mm. Indeed. Be be part of the special email crew. Um, link link in notes yes um she says with no intention of doing the link in the notes and leaving it entirely to steve to do i'll put a link in the notes i promise thanks steve (laughs) thanks um uh yeah so 7th of march isn't it that's the first day of crafts yep yep and then that's when so we've got our sort of four day spectacular Mm-hmm. Of, of ticket sales if so, you are a member of pact uh you will get early access to those tickets ooh. so uh again make sure you're you're checking your emails to know when that is yes yeah. yes yes well this has been wonderful thank you everyone it's been lovely <clears throat> thanks thank for you me. thank you for i've only joked but a lovely listening. time okay good i'm glad <laughs> you can come back thanks Steve. yeah <laughs> Okay then, folks, nothing left to do but to uh, um, play a bit of Grant and say our bye-byes then. Bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Atoms collide Ourselves divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this ride Has just begun And here at the end that stretches back through all time Time guided by a primal desire
to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down, you know. It grows. For feet, for seed, our genes compete. This war is never won. Numbers increase for reason and peace on mass as one with strong. And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it's